Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies. And uh, in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So it is the month of April, and uh, as we tend to do here on the show, uh, we have a theme planned for all our programming decisions uh, throughout the month of April. And Kyle, you want to tell the folks at home what that's going to be? Well, for this month, I trumped uh, Trevor's choice for the month, which was going to be some anthologies. Uh, but I thought, you know what, since everybody's stuck inside, I'm like, let's watch some, let's watch some movies where the theme basically is stay the fuck inside. Uh, so it can be, we might be covering like some, some sickness movies, we might be doing some zombie stuff. It's gonna, it's gonna jump around a little bit. Um, but actually we have a mutual catching up today, one that neither one of us had seen before. Um, it is, uh, Flu from 2013, a Korean film. Uh, you actually mentioned this to me, and I checked out the trailer. I'm like, "Ooh, this is a good-looking trailer. This looks fucking disgusting. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's pretty gross in the uh, in the trailer." I'm like, "It sounds like fun," and it's actually um, pretty much on the no- not on the nose what we're going through right now. But there's a lot of overlap uh, from what I can tell in the movie. Yeah, this is this is an epidemic movie, and we're currently in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, and yeah, uh, this is an interesting choice because, um, as I was telling you off air, I kind of feel like a lot of the the tone and the style of presentation for this movie really typifies like Korean uh, blockbuster cinema, and mm-hmm. that's what this movie is. Like, it appears like modestly budgeted at times in comparison to like an American blockbuster, but this is like this is like big Korean movies, mm-hmm. and as far as I know, it probably did quite well at the box office. Uh, this came out in twenty thirteen. Um, pretty stacked cast, um, a lot of extras, some really extensive CGI work that is pretty mm-hmm. well done for the most part. The um, tent, even the, for 2013 in a foreign country, it still looked pretty fucking good. The Tent City overshot, especially. That was one that stuck out to me. The The first big one I caught uh, was the um, supermarket. Mm. Um, the riot in the supermarket, there's a shot of all the cash registers, like, bodies oh, just yes, slamming yeah. slamming into the riot gear police that it's like the scale of it is pretty incredible um it looks good um but this was directed um by kim kim sung su uh largely unknown director to me although a glance at his filmography um reveals uh, a couple of movies that i know of his one of which being musa from 2001 i know that was like a historic like epic action movie uh, so that was also a very large-scale film uh, i know it i know it did quite well um but the big one that i actually own that i actually have on my shelf that i imported uh, a couple years ago is uh, asura uh, the city of madness from 2016 and um as far as i recall it might share some cast members with this one hmm. um but it's funny because i have the i have this like quote that i i throw out there whenever i find an excuse to bring this up in conversation which is basically never Um, (laughs) uh, Asura is one of the most violent movies I've ever seen Um, not so much in terms of gore although it is actually quite bloody Um, just the way people talk to each other in that movie is extraordinarily hostile like almost every line has just venom and just fire behind it and it's incredible to watch it um I had the same feeling watching uncut gems to be honest Ah, there's just an air of hostility throughout that entire movie this tension that's like fuck man you guys need to like 
back the fuck down and stop eating that red meat or something. <laughs> That's how I felt with La Haine, um, a French film. Dude, just everybody, you either have an obnoxious character talking or just two dudes who are at each other's throats the whole fucking time. It's, it's really annoying. It, it, it gets annoying after a while. Oh, I could see, especially with the sound of the French language. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's really funny. Like, you haven't you haven't seen The Matrix Reloaded, have you? Is it the second one? Yeah, I've seen pieces of it. It's got the two white dudes with dreadlocks, right? Yes. And the French guy. The French guy says it's like wiping your ass with silk. That's exactly seen... what I was alluding. to. Okay. Yeah, I've seen pieces of it. Yeah. Swearing in French is like wiping your wiping your ass with, with silk. silk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, different different languages, their swears sound very different. And in Korean, um, they're equivalent to like the f bomb. It's it's like it's written like phonetically in English, like shiball, like shibor, <laughs> and you hear it constantly in mo- in most Korean movies. <laughs> just, they're very they're very loose with with their swears. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kyle. I, so you picked this one largely based on the strength of the trailer and just the current the current situation, as everybody seems to be calling it these days? Current situation. It had pretty good reviews on uh, IMDb. If you can find me a foreign film that looks interesting with a rating above 6.5, I'll watch it. That's that's good enough for me. I can handle that. That's a good way to be. Um, but yeah, I was, I was aware of this one um, when it came out, but like at the time, I just really didn't have any interest. Um, we were, what... Uh, four years removed from the swine flu epi- epidemic. Yeah, it was um, a different America. Like we were, we were yeah, in a good we were, place. <laughs> yeah, we were in a very good place. All like the bird flu had already come and gone. The swine flu uh, kind of fell flat on its face, at least from an American standpoint. Other parts of the world certainly not. Obama. Um, just but yeah, we were all term. very sheltered he- from all that. But suddenly, this movie that like came and went in my mind, like it's like. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, it seems like something I might want to watch right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, yeah, we decided not to do like Contagion and the other like all the other movies that are like the American versions of these kinds of films. Um, well, con- yeah, Contagion preceded this movie, and even though I haven't seen that, uh, I mean the amount of amount of film critics right now covering that yeah. movie um, is staggering, which is why we're not doing it. Just like you know, what's the point? Um, I do think that this movie probably does owe a thing or two to that. Most likely. Um, and as far as I understand, Contagion is actually a very good film. It's a Steven Soderbergh. He he tends to show up for the most part. Um, and but, also, yeah, we're, we're not going to be doing that. Yeah, <laughs> no, everybody else is doing it. Um, so, yeah, watching this movie, like we mentioned off air, it was kind of hard to watch because of, like, the pacing. So the way this flu actually, the sickness actually gets people, it's kind of like a zombie film. That's kind of what I had to like compare it to, the like how fast, uh, like how fast somebody can be um, affected by it. I was like, it's kind of like a zombie movie. It takes about oh, just a few hours basically before it kicks in. Um, but once the like the once the zombie uh, in movies, when somebody's bitten and you start to see the symptoms, they turn pretty quick. This it takes a little longer for people to die, but the initial onset's pretty quick. Um, yeah, at at one point they have a line like there's no incubation period. Once you get it, you got it. Yeah. And within 36 hours, you're either dead or you're not. And that's yeah. kind of it. Um, which is funny because like that aspect of it kind of made me think of Outbreak a little bit. Mm. Um, because the, the speed at which that particular contagion worked was kind of 
kind of shocking and, and bizarre in some ways. Um, and it, it's funny because like, I, I don't know enough of this stuff to be an authority on it, but like, I feel like having that quick of a life cycle would actually cause the thing to burn out more, like be slightly more manageable because yeah. any poten- any host that have it, you know, it'll, it'll Kill come and go. Kill pretty quick, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the way they handle this actually probably is a unfortunately reasonable way of attending to it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah we'll get to that um anyway kyle did you want to give us a, a rundown of the plot summary yeah so basically um some somebody from hong kong is smuggled into korea and has a sickness kills all the other people in the sh- the shipping container with the rest of the uh illegals um one guy gets out and basically um one guy gets out one guy gets the sickness and basically passes it to what was the name of this city? Bundang. Bundang. Uh, basically, this one guy contaminates this entire city. Uh, officials are trying to contain it, uh, while other officials are trying to not contain it. And a doctor is looking for her daughter throughout the film several times. I know that doesn't make sense, but it will make sense because she does not keep tabs on this kid. She gets away a few times. <laughs> Yeah, th- this movie um, assumes a lot of different identities throughout its runtime. At one point, it, it's a, like a, a POW movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a prison camp movie for a, a good chunk of it, and then it turns into a war movie at one point, and then it, like it, there's a revolution at one point, and but before that, it's like a medical drama about you know a race against time to find a cure or something. But then it turns into a very human drama that is a little absurd at times but yeah it's all it's all you know for the sake of being entertaining and dramatic um but yeah the the movie opens with a title card um by the way distributed by cj entertainment because i have i have this theory that no korean film can be made without the approval of the gods of cj cj entertainment Mm -hmm. because goddamn their their logo is on literally every korean movie i've ever bought <laughs> literally probably every korean movie i have ever seen um, i don't know what the deal is with that company but apparently they run korea um, if you watch uh, old russian films like uh before the, the 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 union fell uh it'll be like soviet approved at the beginning it's like yeah it's all <laughs> they need to have a mascot like, like just, they do just it's some a like a sickle <laughs> with a star <laughs> no like an actual character though not not like, well oh. i mean they could put like a pair of eyes on the on the hammer and sickle it's and, a like, man a smiley a, face it's a man and a woman holding one's holding the sickle one's holding the hammer and they've got like a cape on them like they look like the statue of liberty kind of thing oh yeah i was about to say they wouldn't be smiling no, no. that does that that's not their flavor yeah <laughs> there's, there's no smiling be... before the collapse yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, this movie opens with a title card just saying, like, reminding the viewers that this film is not based on real events. No. Um, although, like I said, this is not too far removed from the swine flu, um, which is probably the reason this film got made when it did, was that that was still on people's minds, and Korea is not very far from many other countries that did, in fact, have to deal with that problem. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we open April 2014. Uh, yeah, April 2014. Oh, wow, April <laughs> in Hong Kong, and uh, we get a series of rapid cuts. Um, this is like what what critics back in the day would call MTV style editing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so like lots of rapid cuts, lots of strange angles. We see the cityscape of Hong Kong. Uh, there's a man coughing in an alley. Um, and there's also like lots of strange uh, color filters and gels put on the lighting and the imagery here. Like lots of sickly yellows and greens, um, speaking of Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. Um, but we end up at a harbor of some sort and there's like a, a human trafficker basically like yeah. standing before a crowd of, of refugees of some sort and he's speaking in English to all of them like letting them know like what to expect on their journey ahead and uh, long story short his last line to them before he shuts them in a shipping container uh, is have a nice trip <laughs> he asked the one dude are you sick and he's like <clears throat> no I'm fine <laughs> he's like good enough for me Shoom, shuts the door welds them in <laughs> Yeah, um, and then we cut to May first in Bundang in Korea, and immediately just the just the color palette and like the general air of health in the yeah, environment is. is radically different. So this is this could be Korea throwing a little bit of shade at China, mm-hmm. being like, "Hey, yeah. we're so much better. <laughs> like, like our air is so much fuck. cleaner." Yeah. <laughs> it's like nine days later. The, I like the flu title card. I like the I like the. the the title of the movie uh it looks like a 90s it looked like a 90s font this movie feels like a 90s movie it does (laughs) it does with but with you know a better budget um well i mean especially by the time you get to the resolution like the mega happy Mm -hmm. aspect to it it's like that it's too tidy like that was the problem with outbreak for sure was it's like for a you know a, a like an awful disease like with dire consequences being a potential outcome it's like that that wrapped up like a perfect little gift what the fuck yeah contagion does not do that uh, uh yeah that that's actually um upon like more recent viewings that's what people are praising it for is the reality aspect of yeah. it where it's like you know it's like just because you got the thing that can that can lead to the mega happy ending getting it to people's the next step <laughs> and that takes time <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we end up uh, down in down underground. Uh, we get introduced. Uh, I didn't realize for a little while our main character, one of our main characters, uh, Kang, is what I've been calling him. Uh, I had difficulty with the subtitles. Uh, his first name is Jaiku. Uh, Jigu. Jigu. Uh, but we've been calling him Kang, so he's yeah. he's important. Uh, that's what most people in the movie call him anyway. Yeah, for the most part. Um, so yeah, uh, we. He's having like a little back and forth with uh, dude. His his friend is obnoxious. He's fucking annoying in this movie. What what do we call him, Kyle? Uh, I'm just gonna well, flapper maybe because he just keeps talking. He's just flapping his jaws. See, in my in my notes, I was calling him funny face. Because uh, yeah, so the, these two actors, uh, Kang is played by Jang Hyuk and uh, funny face or or what were you calling him, flapper? Flapper. <laughs> I'm just call him uh, flapper. He's played by Yu Hejin and. Uh, I actually recognize the latter, um, not the former, to be honest. But a, a funny face to me, um, I call him that just because he, like, folks at home, if you haven't seen what he looks like, his his eyes are really tiny and deep set, um, and he has an odd combination of having both large lips and teeth that are too big for his mouth. Yes, yes. it's very unfortunate, um, and he has a funny face <laughs> um, he's like a but he's also character. he's a very talented actor he's very versatile he can be very very funny he has the gift of gab in the sense that like he could easily be cast in a tarantino movie and do just fine mm-hmm. uh, because i think there's a words per minute requirement for acting in his movies uh, you got to be quick 
<laughs> and he's unless very, you, very quick. Unless it's Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen has to talk in a stride kind of like this in his movies. Yeah, he well, has a staccato rhythm, but it's also like he he's pretending he's a cowboy all the time. So he's got to like look up into the sun and like look distracted. Like he's looking off into the middle distance. It's like, I think he's drunk. <laughs> Denzel Washington shit because he plays the same character in every movie, but I'm wrong. Michael Matson plays the same character in every fucking movie. Yeah. For the most part, I've never seen him do another trick. Like, I've never seen like, him play any other kind of character. No, no he's a one. Not at all. With a no, hole he's... in his throat nearly. He is going to be in Hollywood still acting with a hole. He's going to be ta- he's gonna be doing roles where he's using the little, uh, was it trach- you have tracheotomy? Is that what it is? Where they cut a hole in your neck? Uh, that is that is the procedure. I yeah. forget about what the little machine's called. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know what the voice box thing is. But yeah, f- I'm going to call him funny face. If you want to call him flapper, that's just flapper. Fine. Funny face. Shut the fuck up, guy. Uh, <laughs> sorry if I don't, if I don't sound super sharp. Uh, North Carolina is like I had bad allergies living in Washington, but North Carolina, you should look up pollen in North Carolina. It's on another level. So I've been in a haze of Benadryl for the past couple of weeks. So I have just not been fired on all four. Uh, so if I if I'm like uh uh, uh you have to jump in because I'm forgetting things. Will do. But um, <laughs> did you did you want to introduce our our two heroes here, Kang, Kang and uh? Funny yeah, face. <laughs> they're having a back and forth, and I guess they're uh, firefighters, EMTs, something along those lines, some kind of emergency response. Uh, they don't ever fight a fire, so I'm not comfortable calling them that, but they're emergency response. And they're, yeah. they're like going back and forth about who's going to go down on this hole. And this doesn't make any fucking sense to me. This is a street hole. It's not a bridge. It's just, uh, it looks like they were doing construction. Like they were building, they had like scaffolding outside of a building, and then they built a road on top of it, and then a car fell down in there. I don't <laughs> understand what this is, but the point is, is there's a fucking car down there, and uh, Kang is gonna have to uh, make his way down there. Yeah, um, this, <laughs> this for some reason just the imagery, not 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 anything to do with the scene or anything, but just the imagery made me think of the opening of Reign of Fire. Mm. <laughs> where there's yeah. a big hole in London or whatever, and yep, baby Christian Bale finds it, finds yeah. a dragon egg or whatever. Pretty much, um, yeah. Uh, except in this case, we find a car with a with a pretty doctor lady in it. Very pretty. Yeah, I was gonna say all the all the extras, like all the female characters in this movie, are very attractive. She is very attractive. I'm gonna it, say. It's a rule of Korean cinema: no nobody's allowed to look bad. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Except unless you're like a lecherous old man, everybody's got to be super hot. Who the congressman looked like? Like he didn't look real. Like he must have had some kind of plastic surgery because he. I don't know. There was something weird about his face. Most certainly. Um. I mean, it's 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 not a mystery. Like South Korea. Like there's less of a cultural stigma behind you know plastic surgery and you know liberal use of makeup and whatnot. Mm. If like man, man and woman doesn't matter. Point is, uh, I think the the phrase my friend, who also happens to be Korean, uh, told me was, "Your face is your billboard to the world." <laughs> um, so it, it's kind of like one of those situations where it's like, "I only have one face. Why would I allow myself to look bad?" <laughs> like, um, unlike a uh, you know the the Disney message we all were raised on, where it's like, "You gotta be yourself." It's like, "No, be no. yourself, but be hot." <laughs> everybody sucks. needs a little help <laughs> no, let's not let's not mince words here 
Yeah, Car- uh, Kang makes his way down the hole, and he uh, he meets the pretty doctor, and he was really smitten by her when she was just looking through the windshield, like like his like a uh, he has that dream weaver uh, sequence from uh, uh, Wayne's World. <laughs> she will be mine. Um, but yeah, he, he ends up talking to her, and uh, she's like she's being very difficult for somebody in this position. Uh, she's kind of being a pain in the ass. Like he's you know trying to save her from certain death and she's just like what are you doing like he's like don't touch me down there he's like i have to put the harness on you uh and he's like well your your dress is caught here i'm gonna, I'm gonna get your dress off of here and he ends up ripping it and she's like smacks him like no what the, no i can't go up there i'm like dude you have to understand the situation ma'am <laughs> you were gonna <laughs> die if you yeah, don't fo- fo- folks at home like just to paint a picture of what the sequence looks like he is repelling um, from an emergency vehicle and she is in the middle of just a gigantic pit basically her car yeah. is suspended between metal beams just imagine uh the cop car that kirsten dunst is trapped in in spider-man 3 yeah except substitute spider webs or venom webs for for steel beams um yeah she is in a precarious position <laughs> and he's doing his best to try to save her and she's being very difficult but this whole sequence is basically like a mute meet cute um, yeah it's a meet cute but but in the middle of a rescue operation um long story short he does get her out despite her protests and yeah. uh we get a <laughs> we get a, a cgi car falling down a, a cgi pit um and we're gonna be calling uh her uh, dr kim dr. from kim. now on because uh, that just works um and uh actress is sue a, I want to say is how it's pronounced. Uh, that's typically how I say uh, Korean. A E is A. Um, but yeah, uh, Doctor Kim, and he tries to mac on her <laughs> in the back of an ambulance um, while she's you know talking about how like oh this bitch cut me off. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he he doesn't he doesn't exactly get the most out of it. Um, doesn't exactly get a home run with that but no. uh, we get some banter here with a uh, flapper and a uh, kang uh this is probably why you this is probably about the point you started not liking him because yeah. uh, he, he's talking a mile a minute we're just doing standard like hero guy banter about ladies and like oh like i i'm i've fallen for her and it's like oh well go get her i'm gonna verbally slap you in the nuts because i'm your friend in this movie mm. why <laughs> i don't know um but yeah, Kang is very determined. He's like, I'm going to get Dr. Kim. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And, oh, the way he courts her, um, I think, would be illegal in this country. Uh, he kidnaps her daughter a couple times, more or less. Um, uh, yeah, he, <laughs> straight up. Yeah, I'm like, I was going to text you. I'm like, are there certain like laws in Korea? Like, You can just have a kid with you that's not yours, and it's not that big a deal. So I'm like, trying to make this movie in America. I'm like, uh-uh, that is, that is plot hole. Can't do that. Um, no, again, it has that '90s movie feel where something like that, like the filmmakers just would think nothing of it. But in 2020, yeah. if again in an American movie, all no. sorts of people would have have things to say about that. It would make sense, like not make sense immediately. Um, she does <laughs> mention that there was uh, important data in the car, and he's like, "Well, you're not getting it because it's way the fuck down there." <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Then I think we get over to our trailer crew, the Smugglers One and Two, who I didn't realize were brothers when i was watching this yeah in movie, um in the movie it uh it does come up um during the first quarantine like mm-hmm. 
basically at the very beginning of that outbreak. Um, but yeah, these two guys, actually, I think these two guys, um, yeah, they're, they're opening the shipping container that we saw in the very beginning of the movie. And they're mm-hmm. both, they're both wearing like shitty, like surgical masks. So they, they, they care enough about, you know, like their personal safety and hygiene to do that. And they're doing this in the rain too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a blowtorch that they use to cut the lock on this thing. And uh, it seems like these guys are, like you said, smugglers of some sort. Like they're expecting some sort of fell off the truck kind of goods to be in this container. Um, and as soon as they open the container, uh, we get some decent suspense here. Because uh, the first thing that happens is like just a bucket of goo spills out, mm-hmm. which I have to assume is human waste. Yes. Yeah. That, that was a lot of people in a very small space. Uh, For several and, days, I'm assuming. Nightmare fuel. Um Eesh. But, yeah, then we get this really cool shot um, from behind them where they're looking into the container and there's no illumination, so it's just pitch black. And like you said, this this is this feels like a shot from a zombie movie where you're expecting a wave of like people to run out at them or something. It's like, no, uh, nothing happens, but there, we we take our time pushing the camera in, and there's genuine suspense here. But um, long story short, everyone inside is dead. Um, it is a bloody mess. Um, yeah. and this this movie is pretty graphic in in its depictions of of violence and like the disease itself and whatnot. Um, and one of the two of them decides to start filming everything on his on his cell phone. Of co- and of course, because it's that kind of movie, he drops his phone inside the container because oh, lo and behold, there's a survivor who mm-hmm. like crawls out, and uh, they end up taking the survivor with them, but not before the guy who dropped his phone is is instructed to like go back go in there and get it and he certainly does and uh that's probably not going to pan out well for him yeah <laughs> okay and then we immediately cut to may 2nd uh the jukun uh rest stop yes uh, so i think these dudes were actually smugglers i think they were part of the human trafficking operation because he's on the phone with somebody he's like yeah, I mean, we still opened it up, and we still have one, so I still want to be paid. Like, it's not my mm. fault that they all died, but I do have one guy. Um, and he's not he doesn't seem to be feeling too well. he got a little, little something going on with him. Um, yeah, I like the way this, this worked out, because um, basically uh, we're introduced to the scene, and there's a guy in a parking lot in a red leather jacket which he will wear until the end of the film yeah <laughs> just so just like to help you recognize him i think it actually came in handy because he he pops up a lot more in this movie than you'd expect there are a lot of people in this like there's a lot of people on screen in the movie so yeah the red jacket was very helpful yeah and he's he's coming out of the rest stop with like a bag of goodies or groceries or whatever and he gets a call um, from somebody above him like talking about the shipment of people or whatever and uh, when he gets back to the car, though, um, the person behind the steering wheel, uh, his brother, is, like, doubled over, just, like, he- forehead on the steering wheel, and he looks bad. He looks bad. He looks real bad. Um, this is patient, and then... I'd say this is patient zero. Like, this is... Yeah, that's one. that's what I called him until he had a name. Ah, um, gotcha. In, in, in one of the car mirrors, uh, red leather jacket... Uh, red jacket let's just call him that <laughs> um, yeah. uh, red coat <laughs> leather jacket leather jacket uh he sees uh patient zero the fellow from the shipping container jump out the back of the truck and uh escape just into the crowd he tr- he tries to give chase to um does not catch up to him because there's and a we quark. see this guy 
we see this guy uh, head up like a grassy hill and then immediately towards like what looks like a housing complex of some yeah. sort. That's not good. No, he's <laughs> basically going into the city. He's like, oh, great. This fucking coffer is going straight into the city. Yeah, so that's not good. But then even worse, uh, we immediately cut to a chilling sequence where uh, Red Redcoat and his brother... Uh, are at a pharmacy yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to buy some over-the-counter shit, apparently, for his cough. Um, and then we get... I think this this shot was actually um, di- directly lifted from Outbreak. Where was it? I mean, this isn't, like, stolen from Outbreak, but this is something you see in, like, Contagion movies a lot, where you get a perspective of, of the virus itself, like, moving. So we cut from him coughing to, like, some CGI of, like, coughing, like particles that he's spitting out floating through the air and and it's like shot from the perspective of the particles flying at people's faces it's almost like a creature cam (laughs) i'm surprised that nobody told him to cover his fucking mouth like whenever like we've been taught for years like if you're gonna sneeze or you're gonna cough catch the sleeve catch it right in your elbow catch it right there if i'm wearing two shirts i'll even cough cough in between the two shirts just that's the best i could do at the time he is <laughs> just fucking on everybody in this fucking. Pharmacy. I mean, especially in Korea. Like, I'm. I was actually kind of shocked. Like, it's very unusual for me to watch a Korean movie without someone being slapped at least once. <laughs> and this guy was ready for it. Like the the guy standing behind the car- counter at the pharmacy, he had seniority over them. He was like 10, 20 years older than them. He had every right to slap that child in the face and be like, "Hey." Cover. Cut it out. Cover your mouth. <laughs> I mean, he, he like coughs on his like near his hand and like touches this little kid that's next to him too. He's yeah, like, that, that some actually that was a really great moment because like that's that's always like the I mean, I, I was telling you this off air. It's like you can't have a Korean a Korean movie without like at least two sequences where they try to make you cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Part of part of doing a, a movie about a disease or something is that you you can get away with throwing certain punches that you can't in other in other genres. Mm-hmm. Like say for instance, Jason Voorhees goes in and like lops off a child's head. You can't do that. Like, no. he, 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 you can't do that. But in a disease movie, you're it's well within your rights to kill children. <laughs> your, honor, your honor this is a disease movie and i'm well within my rights to kill that child <laughs> <laughs> i mean it would hold up in court man yeah. like it's it's part of it's part of movie law like Counsel. a slasher cannot kill children but a disease can't yeah. <laughs> and nothing can happen to, to a dog nothing can happen to dogs in any genre though. no no <laughs> not in 2020 well in japan <laughs> they don't give a fuck apparently I saw audition. Poor dog. <laughs> it, that was that was like twenty years ago, though. <laughs> Give them a break. <laughs> they've they've progressed. Uh, um, but yeah, everybody in this pharmacy, we get a shot of CGI uh, cough particles flying in their face. There's like a teenage girl. There's the little boy whose head he pats and coughs. He coughs in the fucking kid's face. <laughs> That's yeah, bad. Um, yeah. And then there's like an old like salary man, like there's an older woman, all sor- all manner of people from all walks of life. Uh, is this where Dr. Kim is with her with her group, her doctor group, and they're yeah, everybody her. hates her. Yeah, they don't <laughs> like her. I mean, she's very pretty, um, but yeah, they they don't really like her. And her her boss basically is like, "You fucking idiot! You lost the data. How'd you lose the fucking data?" And she's like, 
Um, I was in a car wreck, and it was in the car, and I wasn't able to get it. And he's like, well, you fucking idiot. Blah, blah, blah. So she's just like, I'm going to have to go down there myself and get it. Um, but I think this is where we cut back to Kang is talking with... Um, like Kang is back in the emergency response uh, station. Yeah, uh, Kang took it upon himself to use valuable... Uh, government resources <laughs> um, so an emergency response vehicle and and the uh, the time and effort of his friend funny face uh, to go back down to the hole to repel back down to the hole and uh, retrieve the bag um, and of course we get more buddy buddy relationship banter um, Kang Kang throws out the line in Korean of course basically I, I'm on a break <laughs> I'm a, I'm abstaining from female relations <laughs> it's a choice god damn it <laughs> I know I'm absurdly hot but you know <laughs> the script has to make sense somehow <laughs> um, but uh, long story short uh, while they're in their emergency response vehicle with the bag uh, Dr. Kim's phone goes off because it was in the bag too and uh, Kang answers it and a little girl answers, and he yeah. ends up uh, apparently having a conversation. And uh, we go to meet the little girl, and this is, god damn it, she is the cutest little. She girl is ever. the. Cu- I actually was watching this by myself, and I had to go grab Steph. I'm like, you have to stop what you're doing, come see how cute this little Korean girl is. She's the cutest oh, girl, little girl ever. She is the cur- cutest little girl ever. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? I think it was a. Uh, there was this little. I think it was a little Japanese girl. And the mom is like asking her. He's like, "What do you do if someone offers you candy? What do you say?" She's like, "Say yes." Have you seen oh, that? She, yeah, that's she's Korean actually. Oh, she's Korean. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that was the cutest. That that that's the cutest little girl ever. This one is a like a runner up basically. Yeah. Um. There's one other that I, in film that I can recall off the top of my head that is a potential rival, and uh, it's a little girl from a, a Chinese movie. Well, Hong Kong production called uh, Undefeatable. Um, uh, it's surprisingly good, despite being like a mixed martial arts drama. <laughs> um, anyway, the little girl in that, I don't remember the actress's name, but she has this amazing ability to act and behave like a grandma. Like her body language and everything about her, like like there's scenes where she's cooking dinner for a bunch of adults and like putting her hands on her hips. And it's like, that's <laughs> that my grandma. Like, but she's like... cute two feet tall and like eight years old <laughs> this little girl's assertive that's what makes her cute is she's kind of like her mom's very assertive so she just kind of mirrors her mom um mm-hmm. but yeah we we meet her um i don't really know what they do like he's just like talking to her in a park and i know i think she he gives her the phone but she's like i'm gonna need a business card in case anything's missing from the purse, we can contact you. <laughs> that was pretty cute. Well, it's because she's very smart. She does. She says all the right things. Like, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. So he introduces himself, and she introduces herself. Um, I love that he, uh, when he's introducing himself, he, like, pulls out his ID badge. Like, it's a big fucking deal. Like, I'm an emergency response team member. And she's mm-hmm. like, I can't read that. <laughs> she's like a little kid. And she's like, I can't read. <laughs> um, um, but she, uh, I think she was like needing needing a ride home from school or something yeah um and he she wants her mom's bag uh, because apparently he told her about it on the phone or something um and there's a funny bit where she's like scrolling through pictures on her phone to like prove that she's the daughter and she has a photo of her mom like 
like looking hungover mm-hmm. in bed basically yeah, like it's pretty great it yeah. dresses down you know her hoity-toity mom quite a bit did oh um, do they already meet again doesn't she call him and give him back his shirt uh yes yes they do um but, so the like the evening of the crash uh, they, that's when it they was. meet up and he's like thinking he's gonna court her right then and there yeah because he's and looking they, really they do this, dapper <laughs> yeah they do this funny thing where he shows up and yeah he's dressed up like a gap ad basically yeah like he's gonna go on a date <laughs> yeah and even his uh even his speech pattern i don't know enough about korean culture to know what this is supposed to be but his speech pattern in that sequence is radically different so i think he's doing like a he's like putting on airs or something he looked like a different person at first i was watching him like is that the same guy i'm like i don't i'm not sure because i'm it was still really the the movie was still like it was pretty early on so i hadn't really latched onto who was important just yet so i thought this was a different guy at first but it was yeah it's neither here nor there but like i said this this movie has a lot of identities it assumes um from minute to minute basically um and the early interactions between him and dr kim are basically straight out of a k-drama like a a soap opera basically gotcha it's you know it's you know fun relationship kind of shit but like spread out over two and a half hours um but yeah uh he he parts ways with uh mire uh the uh, dr kim's daughter and she says a very polite thank you. <laughs> and uh, as she's walking away, he's like, the kid is her clone. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's so uptight. Um, but then we get this cute moment where he's driving home, I guess, from, from meeting up with her. And uh, he's stuck in traffic. And the camera just pans over to a bus that he's stuck in traffic with. And one of the people from the pharmacy, like a salary man is in there going. Yeah. We get a weird yellow infection cam for some reason. It's a, it's a moment, but it's a weird moment. Yeah. We're getting like, we get the bus cougher. We get a student coughing on in class. Uh, we get the daycare cougher. Is it the little kid, the little boy, it's a little boy. And he like falls down. Like he's like really having some trouble. And then, yeah, uh, and then we, we the cut s- to the smugglers again. Smuggler throwing and, uh, up blood. Yeah, and uh, basically the red jacket, he's he's still put out that he couldn't find patient zero. He escaped. Um, but then he hears honking, and he heads back to the parking lot, and his brother's behind the wheel just, like, mashing on the horn and puking blood on the windshield yeah. like you do. Yeah, this, um, is like, uh, this is like a super Ebola, I guess would be the thing. It, I, it People are just bleeding. Like, you get a rash... Uh, you start coughing up blood and then you die, basically. Pretty much. That that pretty much describes everything we get in the movie anyway. I don't know if there were intended to be any more layers to it. but um, So we cut from that graphic image to uh, Dr. Kim coming home. And uh, we have a really delightful exchange between her and her daughter. Because, fuck, this kid is too, too goddamn so cute. cute. Yeah, she's the, so cute. That's ridiculous. Cute. This is where her cuteness like shines because she gets to be like... She gets to like have that chemistry with her mom, where she's just like uh, walking around, uh, just talking about nonsense. Um, she's making some food for her, and she's like, "I want a cat." She's like, "You can't have a cat. If you have a cat, you'll have an allergic reaction." She's just like, kind of having this adorable little hissy fit, but it's not really a a fit. It's kind of just like, "Oh, come on, mom." It's it's pretty adorable, um, but she gets an emergency call. Doctor Kim has to come back to the hospital. Yeah, uh, she gets called away to the office, and um, she said she was going to make a spicy, like a spicy rice cake dinner for her mm-hmm. for her daughter. And 
I've had this before. My friend, my friend had like we had it at a restaurant one time. And mm. It's fucking good, <laughs> and it looks fucking good in this movie. It made me very hungry watching this. Um, but it's unfortunate because by the time it's ready to eat, uh, she has to leave, so her daughter has to eat alone. But she's apparently used to this rhythm of life, so she's like, "Oh, yeah, be a doctor, do so your thing." She's gonna leave. This is what I, I took it as. This this mother's awful, by the way. Uh, oh yeah. There's a reason she has a breakdown halfway through. <laughs> As well she should, because I think it's illegal which, how she's taking care of her kid. Uh, she leaves this, I'm going to say she's six years old. She leaves a six-year-old at home by herself eating food. And I'm like, maybe the babysitter's going to come right back. She's on the phone with her mom. She's like, I don't ask you to do this very often. I just need it this one time. I need you to be there when she wakes up. So this girl is going to eat dinner, watch TV, take a shower put herself to bed and then grandma just has to be there when she wakes up in the morning if there are cookies in that house they are going to be gone <laughs> by morning gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think my yeah, parents she, my parents would get butter pecan ice cream quite a bit because they like my brother and i hated butter pecan ice cream so they get that and they're like well they're not gonna fucking eat it they're not gonna sneak into it because we we plow through ours really quick and they would have theirs occasionally so they, theirs was solid they never had to worry about that that's nice I, I think uh i think my mom had some kind of like it's like dove bars or like some kind of special hagen does that she would she would stock just for herself mm. <laughs> it's like you guys can have all the ice cream you want but not that one <laughs> you touch that you die i want some fucking ice um, cream now yeah same here <laughs> um but yeah uh we get to the hospital and there are a whole gaggle of doctors examining uh the unfortunate brother who was puking on the windshield um and everybody's taking notes um to be honest they're not doing a very good job of protecting themselves um no like like there there are a whole lot of bodies surrounding this guy on an operating table and then there are a whole bunch of people looking at him through what i thought was a like a glass door that door is open (laughs) blood if there's blood coming out of somebody's orifice i'm putting on a mask and gloves if it's a laceration or puncture some kind of open wound that's one thing. If you are coughing from a pl- if you if you're expelling blood from a place that's not supposed to be having blood from it, yeah, you're in quarantine, dude. Also, if you're ever in the hospital not feeling so good, and there are more than four doctors looking at you. You're gonna die soon. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the there there's a lot of dialogue that's being spit out by a lot of extras here. All do- they're all medical staff, so it's all like jargon kind of stuff, but. What we glean from this is that this, everybody suspects that this might be the first bird flu case in Korea. Um, yeah, which, the avian you flu. You know, this takes place in 2014. We're not terribly far removed from the avian flu situation that happened in the real world. So um, that's that's the equivalent of like a name drop where it's like Godzilla. Oh, I know what that means. <laughs> like a bird flu. Oh, I know what that means. <laughs> um, and then they they try to confront uh, Redcoat. Who's yeah. sitting in the in the waiting area? They they come out to him. All the the team of doctors they storm out to him and they're like, "Hey, we went through your brother's stuff. He had a video of a shipping container, and it definitely looks like, based on the pile of bodies and blood on the walls, that that's probably where this shit came from. Uh, can you tell us where it is?" And he's like, "No, I don't what? know anything about shipping yeah. containers." It's like <laughs> you're on the fucking video, and he's like, 
No, I don't know what? anything about that. <laughs> no, nah, me, I don't know nothing about that. Mm-mm. Yeah, and he's getting like aggressive. Um, he's pretty aggressive to, to, throughout. To the put movie. it lightly, yeah, he gets straight up violent. He, um, he, up violent. he he throws some elbows. He picks up some medical equipment and you know bashes some heads in because this is a Korean movie. Like I said, I was expecting slapping. Uh, this is more of a punchy punch movie, not a slappy slap movie. Um, but he he storms into the operating area, like the quarantine area where his brother is held, because he is hysterical, and he flips the fuck out. And like seriously, his hysterics. You want to look up what that looks like in the dictionary? Yeah. This is it. I mean, uh, I was a- getting pissed off because I'm like, dude, you settle the fuck down. He's like, he's like, wiping blood on. He's got blood on him. He's ripping off people's masks and. The- <gasps> Like they're freaking out. It it is very frustrating for me, and uh, I wanted someone to shoot him. Yeah, if you've seen RoboCop and you've seen the Meltman scene, it's like <laughs> it's like when Meltman comes for help, and his buddy Leon says, "Don't touch me." Yeah, except he's <laughs> touching him. Yeah, happy, happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he, t- he tears. They put like the equivalent of like a, a bubble boy, like a like a mosquito net around his brother. It's like wishful thinking. Like, they need a yeah. better quarantine. No, I mean, he tears it open with his bare hands. And uh, long story short, both he and his brother end up on the floor, on the floor uh, covered by doctors who have to forcibly restrain him. Apparently, doctors have to, you know, practice their martial arts or whatever on, on, their, on their off days. But yeah. uh, brother dies. Uh, he is detained somehow. Um, but then we cut back to Mira, uh, the daughter. And she did mention uh, when we saw her with her mom that there's a like a, a local cat that hangs out near her school named Navi, mm-hmm. um, but it's just like a stray cat or something that she feeds. Um, so she has like, I, I would assume like milk and like food for the, for the cat, and mm-hmm. she's she heads down into like a parking lot area, and uh, we hear some coughing and we see it like a shadow underneath the stairs that she descended to get into the parking area. Um, she almost gets hit by a car. And then the coughing stranger jumps out from the darkness and pulls her away from the car just in time. And it turns out to be our uh, patient Zero, uh, who is not looking great, but he's no. still on his feet. He's looking better than the brother was. <laughs> yeah, um, Mon- Monsai is his name. Yeah, Monsai. Yeah. And uh, he is he's Filipino as far as I could tell. But yeah. That's, that's what my ear told me. Yeah. Um, she ends up, I think she ends up giving him her food. Uh, the food that she had for the cat, and they're just kind of having a conversation. He's like, stay away from me. Don't get too close to me. Because he's pretty aware that he's got something. Um, and we, I think we cut over to uh, uh, Kang saving uh, an adorable little puppy. A little puppy fell into the uh, sewer, a little sewer area. Yeah. It's a uh, nothing little scene. He yeah. saves a little puppy, and then uh, he returns it to the owner, who's a quite fine young lady and funny face tries to hit on her and, yeah uh, doesn't work out because no. i mean have you have you seen this man <laughs> um but yeah we go back to the hospital and we start comparing photos and i uh, they say it bears some resemblance to like cases in vietnam and china for for avian flu um and lo and behold uh, more people show up with similar symptoms so, mm-hmm. and just at a glance um they were very very good use of a uh, of a uh, costuming uh, to make identifying characters very easy. So we have yeah. red coat. It's, yeah. um, we have Dr. Kim in white almost throughout the entirety of the film. Um, 
later on there's a character who wears camel pants throughout the entire movie and then these characters these non-characters just these victims basically um basically everyone from the pharmacy yeah um they did a very good job of varying their wardrobe in such a way and their age range to show you that it's like it makes it very easy from a visual language standpoint to identify like oh those were the people from the pharmacy it's like oh that's a that's a high school uniform she's the girl from the pharmacy oh that's a little boy oh that's that little boy oh mm-hmm. he's wearing a business suit that's probably the same guy from the pharmacy uh, so the hospital just gets flooded with people on gurneys coughing up blood and stuff um and we get a montage of a whole bunch of people we haven't met up till now uh coughing so mm-hmm. we can see that things have spread um, but these people aren't puking up blood yet but there's people all over the city that are getting there um then we cut back to mira and uh she has recruited kang to mm. help her find monsai <laughs> yeah he thinks he's looking for a cat she just says he's my friend i gotta find him and he he thinks it's cat so she's just monsai monsai she's like you're not helping he's just like monsai cat or dog or whatever you are um somehow they end up at the dunkin donuts yeah Uh, (laughs) it's some kind of like pastry place but uh, um in in between that we get some flamethrower action though they they find the shipping container somehow somebody somebody comes across it they open the door and this fucking rats just shoot out dude shoot those fucking rats that is disgusting uh they have it uh whatever it is if if they if they can be carriers I thought I was expecting that to be more of an element in the story I because they do the camera is trained on the rats like we do yeah. they get a couple of shots devoted to them I was expecting that to be a, a cause for the virus to spread further um, but no uh, we set the entire container on fire with flamethrowers that we had on standby mm. <laughs> yes. Korea don't fuck around <laughs> um, but then we immediately cut to that uh, cut from that to um, basically like a war room dude it's like it like you can't walk in this thing so it is like it's a room and then they have like tables set up with computers and monitors and cables and it's just a big circle of tables and there are five people more or less at each table one person sitting at the table talking to somebody at another table while four people are shuffling papers and on phones it's just a it's chaos in there i don't even know what they're accomplishing because you have Eight or nine people talking over each other, like you're a fucking idiot. This is what we gotta do. You're a fucking idiot. This is what we gotta do. But basically, the gist is the doctor, the main doctor, uh, who we'll see several times, is saying we gotta shut the fucking city down. And Congressman is like, "That's fucking stupid. We're not gonna do that." Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, the like you said, the the cabling on the floor was making me very nervous. Yes, very nervous. Because there's a couple of parts here where the politicians and the doctors like get up in each other's faces in the middle of the room and like, they're shots careful. from <laughs> they're shots from above and I'm like somebody's gonna trip like <laughs> that's trip. a trip hazard man where's the fucking gaffer like <laughs> 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 seriously do your fucking job um but yeah the the guy who plays um I wasn't sure what his rank was but a congressman congressman yeah sure we go uh, we go congressman president guy who's white and kind of above congressman some or above president somehow later i'm not sure and, and then there's the like the old minister who's who's just below the president but kind of subsumes yeah. his position at one point um yeah. but this congressman guy i've seen him in other korean movies he plays a good sleazebag 
an excellent sleaze like bag. Sleaze bag. Um, he has very thin eyebrows, and I don't. I think it's universal. Like people that either don't have eyebrows or have really thin eyebrows are not to be trusted. No, <laughs> it's just very basic visual language. I know it's a thing in a in Japanese culture. I can't speak for Korean, but like if you remove a character's eyebrows, it immediately makes them more intimidating and untrustworthy. <laughs> the the guy who plays the devil in The Passion of the Christ is a bald guy with no eyebrows. I don't know if he has that. I forget what the disease is where you don't have any hair. Oh, or alopecia just a guy. or whatever. El, yeah, alopecia. I think he did, they just shaved his eyebrows, but yeah, you're like, oh, that's the devil. He's not a good guy. Did, did Peter Stormare in uh, Constantine, did he have no eyebrows? eyebrows? There no you eyebrows, go. Yeah. <laughs> it's science. <laughs> but yeah, the devil doesn't uh, have eyebrows. They get burnt. They get singed off in hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Peter Stormare probably has a couple of stamps on his passport. He can come and go as he pleases. <laughs> no, um, I believe that. So we, yeah, we cut to Kang and Mira. Mira, they're in a Dunkin' Donuts. It took me a while to figure it out. It's definitely product placement because I definitely saw KFC when they go to that mall uh, or whatever that shopping complex is. Um, but yeah, this is where she's a, like eating food, and she's like, "Don't tell my mom I'm eating this." It's really cute. She's just like sitting there having a good time, chatter, chatter, chatter. Um, she has a cough. She does. I did at one point. She's kind of like eyeing his food. She's like, uh, "Are you?" She's like, "Are you gonna eat that?" And he's like, "I'm not hungry. Do you want it?" She's like, <laughs> "She's like, yeah, give, give me your food too." Um, later, she wants a strawberry shake as well. Yeah, she's um, taking but, advantage of him oh, for yeah. sure, and she but knows it. And she, adorable. I mean, she's very smart and she's very cute, so she yeah. can get away with shit like this. Because like, oh, yeah. that's how she, that's how she tried to, you know, like, twist her mom's arm to get her a cat. It's, it's like, oh, I got your bag back for you. Can I have a cat? <laughs> <laughs> nice um, move. Yeah, nice move, kid. But um, I. There's also like a couple of lines exchanged here just to, to make the people watching the movie who are shipping uh, Dr. Kim and Kang at this point um, to tide them over. Uh, basically, he asks about her dad mm-hmm. and uh, she says, oh, mom cried every day uh, over dad. And and he's like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, dad left for America. And I love that she just like looks at him cockeyed and is like, you don't know anything, do you? <laughs> it's like, Not about you. I just met you. Because, <laughs> I mean, from her standpoint, it's like, her world is the world. <laughs> it's like you mean yeah. you don't know this shit about my you family. Don't know this? <laughs> God. Um, she does have a little bit of a cough. It's very. Mm. It, it, it's. It doesn't seem to be as bad as the other coughs, but it's just enough where you're like, uh oh. Like. <clears throat> she has exactly one cough while they're eating, and then like it's it's cool because the movie doesn't linger on it. Like mm-hmm. the, there's not like a doom on the soundtrack or anything. Um. She just coughs, and then she asks for a strawberry shake, and he goes and gets it, and then the cashier also, like, just one, mm-hmm. and we, the viewer, are just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Did she eat herself into a nap? Doesn't he, like, rush over there because she's, like, her head's about to hit the table because she's about to fall that, asleep? That was a lot of sugar, man. And <laughs> and also, she's carrying a deadly virus, yeah, <laughs> so true. I wouldn't be surprised if she was a little drowsy. Um, but yeah, the city officials are arguing against shutting down for very similar reasons to why their countries all over the world are having this exact same conversation. Uh, because from a political and like economic standpoint, it's asking a lot to ask a city to do nothing uh, for however long. Yeah, the, con- the congressman's like, it's probably not a big deal. You guys blew that avian flu or some other flu out of proportion. It's not that big a deal. 
sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> I've heard that a few times from people. Oh, they're blowing this way out of proportion, uh, this whole quarantine thing here. Oh, whatever, dude. Quit complaining. You get off, you get off work. Who who's <laughs> complaining right now? That <laughs> who gets to be home? I'm sorry. I'm not complaining. This is really nice. Mm, I mean, there's 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 a lot of like talking heads right now that are actually like saying like oh, it's time to get back to work, folks. Yeah. And and encouraging other people to do the same. It's like you told us to go home. <laughs> I'm not going to be surprised if you start seeing people try to get back to normal like pretty soon. Oh yeah, it's, I'm sure. Just just out of sheer stubbornness like, like <laughs> well Inslee already shut down washington for another well, until may 4th basically for another month he took his sweet time making that initial order but you know there you go it is what it is um anyway uh kang gets a call from funny face and basically it's an all units situation although n- nobody seems to know why just yet um but he's still at the mall with mira and he gets this phone call, and he's carrying her because, like you said, she kind of conked out. Um, and then we cut back to another montage of all the same people that we saw coughing earlier, uh, getting deathly ill in public. You know, barf, blood barf on the floor, yeah. all that business. Um, and then in the shopping complex on an escalator, Kang sees a woman like collapse, like just yeah, like lean, lean up against the side of it as she's going up a floor. <laughs> he makes some dumb decisions. This was dumb decision one. Uh, yeah, he he leaves Mira on a on a bench, unconscious. She weighs, she weighs like forty pounds. Just just take her with you. Like you can you can save this lady and you can have her too. Yeah, it's totally fine. No, he just he lays this adorable little girl on a bench in a shopping center by herself. Maybe yeah. Maybe the prevalence of like kidnappers and child molesters isn't that high in Korea in two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen. Um, that you can just do this and nobody's like, oh, it's fine. There's a little girl sleeping on a bench. No big deal. You can't do that now. You're out of your fucking mind. Oh, no. Again, if this was an American movie today, you'd have to you'd have to rework that. Like, you know, like There'd be an advisor on the set being like, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> nah. Not unless that's the premise of the movie. Like, yeah. Like, you know, the kidnapping movie, like Prisoners or something. Oh, um, at no point is Dr. Kim, like even mad that he has her she, no like she's totally fine she's just like oh yeah you have my daughter cool whatever it, it doesn't even come up <laughs> um long story short he leaves her there on the bench and he runs up to save the woman on the escalator uh sorry he probably doesn't save her um, because he lays her down on the floor and she starts coughing up blood in his face that's not oh. good um <laughs> and then uh the committee uh, that we've been cutting back to, uh, they discover Monsai, it, uh, patient zero, is alive uh, because they scrubbed through the cell phone footage um, that they had from the smugglers. And uh, unfortunately, though, mid-meeting, we're interrupted by a gas station explosion and a series of car crashes out just out the window from the mm-hmm. building they're all in. Um and at this point, all the hospitals are being flooded with, with cases, and we just get a montage of gory chaos in the hospital, and it's pretty spectacular. Um, just the sheer number of bodies on screen and the attention to detail in the dressings of the set and just the liberal use of blood and gore. Mm-hmm. It's like, this this is, you know, large-scale effective filmmaking, I, I need to say. It's very unsanitary. It, it has the feeling of being very unsanitary. It's very, yeah, very and like, it, it looks like a like a triage and like a, a like during a war or something 
Um, not in and this think, century, like, like from like <laughs> six from like uh, from like eighteenth century war, where it's just fucking blood spurting yeah. everywhere. Like, cut it off, give him some more whiskey. Why is he not stop bleeding? It's because you're giving him four shots of whiskey and it's thinning his blood. Stop giving him whiskey; it'll stop bleeding. It's like, well, then cut something else off. Cut Jesus. something else off. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's bleeding from here. So if we cut the leg on this side, the blood will start going out that way. Shit, it's going out the same speed on both sides. He's looking white. Oh, no. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> Let's work on the on next to the one. next one. <laughs> Science. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Kang, uh, because he set her down on a fucking bench while she was mm-hmm. unconscious, loses Mira. And he has to go out in this shopping mall to find her. A, a shopping mall during a epidemic. <laughs> of monstrous proportions um so we cut back to the committee and we have this pretty great sequence where everyone is on the roof all together like everyone's on their phones like everyone's calling someone to tell them stay the fuck inside <laughs> like hey ma inside. it's it's independence day <laughs> oh crap oh crap <laughs> i gotta call my mother <laughs> is that harvey firestein yeah harvey firestein yeah <laughs> oh, I gotta call my mother. I love that. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> that is that is a delicious oh crap. Like, really that good. that voice is incredible. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> I want to see where he plays Tevya. He did uh, Fiddler on the Roof, and he plays Tevya, and he sings uh, all the songs. I'd like to. Hear I just that. need to hear what that sounds like singing. Yeah, like, I can't picture it, but I'm sure it's lovely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But yeah, everybody's on the roof making phone calls, including Dr. Kim. And uh, she has an opportunity to hop on a chopper like pretty much right then and there to get out of the city. But she's like, hey, I got a little girl. I need to prioritize her. And she does. Um, so we get an on-screen title, May 4th, uh, 1500 hours. And uh, Dr. Kim is stuck in gridlock. and or No, Dr. Kim's mom is stuck in gridlock just outside the city. And uh, she gets a call from her daughter saying, stay the fuck inside. Uh, so thankfully, her mom isn't, you know, in danger, in immediate danger anyway. Um, so all the politicians are trying to cover their asses, and uh, we finally get to meet the president of Korea. Um, and he's, he's like, the most righteous figure in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. he can do no wrong. He is a man of the people. <laughs> he's, he's essentially Korean Superman. Like, he's the goody-goody. He needed, he needed the little, like, spit curl just to make the image perfect cuz really yeah. he's he's like saintly almost it's it's a he little weird saintly. yeah um i mean even president whitmore to to reference uh, independence day even he has like some moments of weakness here and there where it's like oh you know bill pullman's an actor he does some acting stuff this guy's just like i am righteous all the time president mr president yeah kyle just uh, did a sunglasses removal gesture so we need mm. a on the soundtrack when he shows up um but yeah this is also where we meet his minister who is on his side for now and seems to be trying to just trying to make the best of things but he becomes more sinister later on he's played by a much older gentleman he's essentially what the uh dick cheney of the movie (laughs) he's he's the evil vice because every vice ever is apparently evil it's like the mayor in any movie. The mayor is always corrupt. Every Republican vice president is pure evil. Yes, yes, yes. 
Um, it's a good detail. It's very important. <laughs> Nixon was Republican. I think that Nixon was probably more evil than his vice president. Um, uh, don't don't step on my toes. <laughs> so yeah, um, I've only seen this uh, in Asian countries that I've visited, um, where there's a grocery store and a shopping mall. Like it's it's a very much what we would consider a mall, and then you're just walking along and like, oh, a grocery store, okay. Um, that's what she's in, basically. Uh, and this grocery store is insane. Um, I'm assuming it's what it kind of looked like when this all kind of set in. Did you see the lines of people at, like, Costco and things like that? I didn't, but I got to witness some of it at, or at my uh, Wallingford QFC. Um, oh, no kidding. I'm, I don't think I'm going back there for a while. It was wow. nuts. It was bad. Well, you live in a major market. Like, if you live in a major city, like people are... There's more people to freak out. So, yeah, I can you know, see I, I've been going to a mom-and-pop market that uh, they've taken some some big strides towards making it, like, a more hospitable location to shop at. And the foot traffic in there is reasonable. <laughs> That's good. Um, but, yeah, uh, the president is, is advised, um, given, the, given the nature of the disease, lockdown first, explanation later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do we do get like a mobilization montage of basically Bundang being completely shuttered, like just shut the fuck down. Um, so all all roads in and out, done. They needed um, Bane. They needed Bane's crew to come in and shut it down. <laughs> they were shutting down Gotham. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting the the Hans Zimmer choir to start up. The dishy, dishy, basara, basara, dishy, basara, basara. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, the city is shut down, and we get a press conference where uh, both our, uh, I don't know, Dr. Doctor? Um, yeah, Dr. Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Doctor, um, who is also a righteous figure. He's an older gentleman who uh, Dr. Kim reports to throughout the movie. Dr. Doctor, uh, he attends like a press conference, and the minister and he both inform the public that there's a public health crisis going on. And they ask, like, so are we going to expect, like, thousands of people to die or something? And Dr. Doctor's like, nah, man, tens oh, of thousands. Yeah, he's like, tens of thousands. First of all, don't say that in a press conference. Remain calm. Encourage. Positive reinforcement. Don't sound like, y'all, there's a lot of people who are going to die. Like, uh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so everybody freaks out. And so, like you said, Mira, she's in this grocery store, like a supermarket, essentially. And... This sequence was one of my favorite in the whole movie. It's good because just the the energy, like the extras here, are vicious. Like like it looks. I've been saying this for a long time. I feel like Korean stunt people and just Korean actors in general, just Korea as a country, goes fucking hard. Like anything they set their mind to doing, they fucking do it. So mm-hmm. if you ask a Korean stunt person to fall down some fucking stairs, it's like, okay, I guess I'm not coming home today. You got <laughs> dental, right? Yeah, you got dental insurance. Okay. Um, yeah same with like extras like these people tearing shit off the shelves like like you know panic shopping and stuff like that like these people look like they're hurting each other it's good extra work but the 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 riot police just kind of fucking come in here like they're shutting the gates and everything about i'm like that's not a bad place to be shut into is a grocery store i'm like that can good you can eat the perishables i mean you'll 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 not starve although you know where are you gonna poop that's always that's Always the number one question. <laughs> Good question. Yeah, where are you going to poop? Yeah, where are you going to poop? Yeah, I don't know. In, in the cash registers? <laughs> uh, what you can do is you can open up uh, cans of beets. 
uh, like the big 28, 28 ounce cans of beets. Dump those out because they're fucking disgusting. <laughs> poop in there. There you go. And then find a way to maybe the the shutter doors like maybe those those rectangular holes in there are just the right size that you can shove those cans like mm-hmm. out out into the hallway just outside the store yeah, maybe um but actually the the shot of the riot police showing up is my favorite in the whole movie mm-hmm. um, we get this slightly elevated angle and the the police enter from like behind the cash registers so it's just a huge line of, of registers and then these these cops in riot gear show up and start beating ass mm-hmm. and it looks it looks like fucking gangs in new york or something <laughs> like, but yeah beating ass is the way to describe it like they're not trying to control anything these people are like kind of like panicky a little bit it's not that bad but they yeah they, they're breaking legs and shit like they're not no i around. mean they uh, someone in riot gear has two major tools at their disposal a shield and a baton these mm-hmm. guys ain't using their shields. No. <laughs> it's Baton City. Population to your fucking knees. Um, I, it was really, again, because she is so goddamn cute. Um, we keep cutting back to Mira, like, crying out for her mom. Mm-hmm. And it's devastating to watch because yeah. just seeing this chaos unfold around this, like, precious little girl, it's like, oh, my God, this is making me very uncomfortable. Like... Because, I mean, as, as a child, I think we've all been lost at some point, and it is the worst fucking feeling. Um, but being lost on top of having fucking riot going on yeah. around you is, I can't even imagine. It's awful. But um, Kang, uh, there's a really cute moment here. And this is, it's like, where's Waldo uh, for the first half of this movie in particular? Yeah. Um, Kang actually passes Monsai um, while he's in the store. <laughs> you just see Monsai, like, like, like with his hands on the edge of an escalator looking panicked like and feral and then kang runs past him and the camera doesn't linger or anything so it's up to you to see him or not because it's not terribly important it's just a fun little detail that's like you know the person we're going to be looking for later has been right under your nose for a long time now um but yeah people start puking in the store um but fortunately <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah kang kang both kang and dr kim they find mira and she's relieved. Um, but yeah, all, like all this chaos is unfolding. There's basically a fucking full-scale riot going on in there. And then they drop the fucking security shutters while yeah. people are trying to leave. These aren't like regular grocery store shutters. These are like fucking fortress shutters. Like there's no getting around these things. Um, yeah, they shut it down. And this was a weird moment. So Kang and Mira get through. But then Dr. Kim, some bitch grabs her fucking, her leg. <laughs> I call it that because I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Just just try to get out as well. Why are you pulling her back in? It was really silly. I don't know what the point was. She needed to get her foot stuck or something. Because uh, that lady yeah. was really inconsiderate. I mean, the whole point was just to put somebody in a position to get Peter coyoted. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> nobody does. I, I was kind of hoping somebody would because, I mean... In case you're not aware, Peter Peter Coyote or Coyote, however it's pronounced, in Sphere, uh, gets trapped in a fire door mm-hmm. with half of himself through the door and half of himself on the other side. Um, <laughs> it's pretty glorious. Even without a visual element, that is a horrible grisly death. You just reminded me how much I want to rewatch The Abyss now. I just watched oh. it this year, like earlier this year, I think, but I can't wait to watch it again already on Prime right now, everybody. <laughs> Get on it. I mean, get on the, it the, the gif you sent me do it do it do it, do it. <laughs> um 
but yeah, nobody gets squished in the door, but it is kind of awkward how we get in a position to potentially get squished. Um, but yeah, uh, Kang actually like decides to stay behind. Yeah. Uh, so all of our heroes successfully avoided the shutter door and they're, they're on the correct side to escape the city. Um, but Kang's like, hey, I'm an emergency response team member. I should probably stick around because these people are in an emergency. <laughs> um, and he gives up his keys to his car uh, to Dr. Kim and Muna, and he encourages them to go save themselves. This is where uh, I was while, like, while he tries to fucking kick the shutter yeah. open, <laughs> he breaks a sweat trying to kick. I'm like, dude, it's not moving. This it's going nowhere. Um, he he tries kicking it, but I'm like. Man, I'm like, this is pretty early for them to be broken up already. I'm like, okay. I mean, I wonder how they're going to re... Like, because I know that they're going to reunite at the end. I'm like, actually, it's going to be much sooner than that. Uh, it's going to be about three minutes before they reunite yeah. again. Yeah, uh, see, yeah. this is one of those things that in in a, a legit, like, in Contagion, for instance, without having even seen that movie, I can tell you right now that there are ver- there are very likely shocking or not so shocking character deaths in that movie mm-hmm. because that's the nature of any disease thriller is that you know it's it's an indiscriminate force of nature it takes who it takes yeah. uh, regardless of their billing on the poster <laughs> um whereas in this movie this is like you said like more of a throwback like straight up just like crowd pleasing popcorn thriller mm-hmm. and you know the two the two hot people are breeding pair they're not nobody's gonna die at the midway point like we're not gonna deep blue see anyone with a fucking virus in this movie like not when we've been shipping them for the past half an hour (laughs) we can't have a a cul-de-sac in our in our uh, relationship drama um but yeah funny face shows up um so he's on active duty um and he he arrives with the jaws of life yeah he's got a couple k-12s uh these saws um yeah, they manage to, to, to break it open, and they get a pregnant lady out and some other lady out, and they, you know, little heroes, you know. Um, and uh, what's her face? Uh, Mira and uh, Dr. Kim get to where the transport is, where the helicopter is, just in the nick of time, just right there. Um, and they actually make it through security until <clears throat> Mira coughs, and they're like, whoa, 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 no coughing, that's it, nope, get back, like, that's all. That's all it took. Uh, and I don't know, did Dr. Kim realize at this point that she had the cough, or was it at this moment? Uh, I, I don't think she... There's a good chance that Mira had coughed at the grocery store or something, but there was a lot of energy being thrown mm-hmm. around. I, it's highly suspect that she would have noticed that. But um, I really loved her dialogue here, because mm-hmm. it's, it's like she's telling bold-faced lies and she's talking a mile a minute and she's just saying whatever she has to say to to get through this checkpoint um she even says i'm the one who discovered this disease (laughs) and it doesn't work um but it's it's just a very human moment where it's like this is you know this is a mother trying to save her daughter and you know she's not thinking about consequences she's not thinking about public public health or safety she's just thinking about her little girl um, as we move forward, I want you to think about who does a worse job of breaking quarantine throughout the film. If it's uh, Dr. Kim in uh, Flu, or it's Danny McBride's wife in Alien Covenant, uh, because those are those are movies. These are movies where quarantine is broken. Um, I think the the impact on the rest of the team in Alien Covenant is more severe. However, this woman's this is woman's uh, mistakes are rooted in more knowledge. So I feel like Dr. Kim is a 
one of the worst quarantine breakers I've seen on film. Uh, so yeah, at this point, we are three hours into the crisis, and uh, we've set up like a command center in the mountains now. So all of our uh, all of our doctors and politicians have moved to the outskirts, uh, you know, outside of the the hot zone. Um, and then the military rolls into Bundong, uh, so we have full on fucking martial law. Um, the president addresses the public, and he's like, "Hey, uh, so you know, we got like a little bit of a problem in Bundong, and like, you might you might have some visitors in the middle of the night. Um, don't don't be alarmed. Like, they, they might kick your door in, but but don't be alarmed. It's all a part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> and we get a, a like a montage cross cutting between his public address and literally, yeah, doors mm-hmm. getting kicked in and people being dragged out into the streets and loaded on buses and taken to camps." Um, and this is where the movie starts to turn into a POW film, mm-hmm. um, where it's, um, you know, Korea has had some recent, well, not recent, but like in modern history, Korea has, has had a lot of, you know, a lot of wars, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of a lot of atrocities visited upon them. And some of the imagery here, um, I would not be surprised if we're, you know, touching some nerves with, especially like Koreans of an older generation, where it's like, oh, fuck those dirty uh. Japanese and all like, <laughs> Oh fuck those dirty northerners, all that business. Um, but yeah, all the sick folks are getting loaded on buses and taken off to camps. And, uh, at this point, everybody seems to be agreeing that Monsai, the uh, patient zero is the key because if we can get a hold of the antibodies in his body, because if he's, if he is in fact still alive at this point, um, that means he's developed antibodies to, to whatever this contagion is. Um, also, at the command center, uh, there's an American who's kind of, like, taken charge a little bit. And you said this guy kind of looked like somebody? or Like, I um, was calling him Johnny Cash in my notes. Yeah, <laughs> like, this one's Johnny Cash. The other one looks like uh, a character actor. Um, but, yeah, it needs to be said, all the uh, all the white people in this movie, um, I think you and I both agreed that they either sound like they're probably Kiwis or Aussies. Um, yeah trying their best to flatten it out and sound uh, just general american the john hawks guy was either kiwi or south african if i had to guess yeah i wouldn't be surprised just like geographically like you know those new zealand and and australia are are fairly close to korea as, as compared to other countries so i wouldn't be surprised if they were just trying their best to sound american but it's highly suspect um but yeah uh at this point, we're, we're told that there's a 50% chance of infection uh, after exposure to this thing. And uh, the politicians uh, start talking about uh, shutting down the internet uh, to prevent the spreading of rumors, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, that's sad, but I wouldn't be surprised if countries that can flex that kind of power, like ours included, would be making some considerations like that. I, li- I like their quarantine protocol. This was what they were telling people. They're like, all right, you're going to do a skin check. If they pass the skin check, because it starts with a rash, we do a mouth swab as well. And in 48 hours, uh, if they if nothing comes back, no reaction, they can leave the camp. I'm like, what if it takes a little bit longer than 48 hours? Uh, that seems like a pretty, a pretty small timeline, I guess. But okay, uh, I, I thought it was kind of not very efficient then we'll find out later like oh okay that wasn't really the plan yeah it's a even if it's not the plan like it is right up front a point of contention among the politicians and the doctors mm-hmm. and and the american that's present that's like you know i don't know if that's wise 
but the the president is asserting that's like we need to be able to tell the people something like they need to they need to have something that they can trust right now and that's what i'm going to tell them and that's what i'm going to try to adhere to and meanwhile johnny cash is in the back like okay buddy (laughs) whatever makes you feel better (laughs) we're only three hours in and we're like two hundred thousand people down sounds great to me (laughs) that sounds real safe Um, but yeah, Doctor Doctor is like, "Fuck, you, this is this is not good. Nobody seems to be listening to me." Um, and we cut back to Kang and Funny Face, and uh, sure enough, like the timing is kind of funny because the the congressman, the guy without the eyebrows, he's the one that's floating the idea of shutting down the internet. And then we immediately cut to Funny Face being like, "Hey, would you know what? My cell phone's not working." Yeah, it's <laughs> so like, down the like cell you towers. Know, yeah, I guess they did that. Um, and we get a sequence that again, this feels like it's taken directly from a concentration camp or a POW movie where uh, all the all the people who are taken to the camps are segregated by gender. Um, so we have Dr. Kim and Mira together. And uh, funny enough, the two lines of genders are separated by not even a wall. It's just like a sheet, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like Kang and Funny Face are literally on the other side of like a sheet and they can't see each it's- other, but... But they're it's, being, like, pushed down like cattle. Like, everybody has to strip to their undies, and they're all in lines being assigned numbers. Um, again, the imagery and the tone here is it's they're, – they're making allusions to certain things that, you know, are are not what you would think of when you think of a disease movie. But, you know, there's, this is all things that could happen. You never know. Yeah, so Mira is already starting to show um, a rash behind her ear. Her mom's actually seen, and she does something here. Like they're all starting to disrobe, just into their uh, to their undies, and uh, she does something with her daughter. She kind of like has her move out of the way, or she somehow makes it through uh, the the check, basically. Um, again, bringing a sickly child into the quarantine area. Um, dick move, ma. Dick move. Well, yeah, everybody's assigned a number here, and there's a funny moment where a lady, well, it's not funny, but uh, <laughs> a lady pukes in the line, <laughs> um, and during the chaos, uh, the sheet is knocked over, and uh, Dr. Kim and Mira see Kang and Funny Face in the other line, and Mira just, like, points, and it's like, hey, he's naked. <laughs> I can see his ding-dong. Um, and we get a chilling moment where they're taken into what looks to be like a UV tunnel, like a ultraviolet like it's i think it's just fluorescent tubing but it's probably supposed to be like uv sterilization or something mm-hmm. um and as they're walking through um mira is asking what is what is number 2066 and her mom's like well it's a number that they're going to call you instead of your name and do do not cough because if you do you can't stay with me and it's like oh mm. shit like once again like th- this this wouldn't work if she wasn't the cutest fucking little girl ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but she is, so I felt things. Um, uh, but yeah, this is where we get uh, an overhead of the whole camp. And again, the scale of it, um, I'm sure a lot of it was a physical set, but it's very likely expanded with CGI quite effectively um, because the seam lines are very difficult to see. It's just a striking image. I'm sorry, but seeing all the makeshift tents, I couldn't help but think of that fire festival disaster. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean, this had more shelter than the fire festival. Oh yeah, they had better food too. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, like I love if you want to look up, a, so I said this before, but Schadenfreude in the dictionary, 
fire festival documentaries <laughs> just watching all those stupid fucks get screwed over the one on netflix i might watch it again it's i i've only seen it the one time but i enjoyed it so much it's so great. it's very watchable uh, it's uh, very watchable uh, i didn't see the hulu a, one because they had they had a deep impact armageddon situation where they had two yeah. competing fire festival documentaries hulu is the deep impact yeah oh it is i i could have told you that but I didn't know. Well, it's kind of like the snake to the mongoose or the mongoose to the snake. Like, either way, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, we, what we is get not very rewatchable is uh, the Michael Jackson documentary, Leaving, Never- ne- <laughs> Leaving Neverland. Uh, it's fun up until a point, and then it just goes down. It just ruins everything. Like, it ruins, gets ruins dark. Your faith in humanity. <laughs> it gets really dark and creepy quick. I'm um, sure. Uh, yeah, so I do not have the HBO, so I have not seen it myself. We get um, we we get a standoff with uh, like there's uh, there's some tension building and some of the uh, some of the police or military guys that are in charge of looking over people they're pulling out guns on people because they're getting upset and uh, some guy comes to defuse the situation he's the operations officer I don't know what that means uh, it means nothing outside of like this moment basically like his authority because um, the rest of the time it's just uh, he's trying to do something else, but uh, we introduced the operations officer, and then they have uh, all civil servants report to a certain tent, which is, I guess, firefighters, cops, anything like that. Yeah, so this is actually like a major moment in the movie that the movie does a very poor job of highlighting, and um, I think a lot of it just had to do with the fact that it was 2013, and uh, both this character and the actor playing him weren't given as much as they should have been. Uh, mm. So this this guy is a international superstar now. Um, oh. He in in 2013 he wasn't quite there yet, um, but his his name is Ma Dong Sok. Um, he also goes by Don Lee for some reason. Probably my guess is like his agent probably told him it's like you know Korean names aren't easy for you know Americans to say. They're not. Do, do you have anything else you can go by? And he's like Don Lee. And he's like sure we'll go that with works. that. That works. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, SPL. Um, remember the the guy with the knife and the white jacket? Um, okay, <laughs> of course. No. Kyle. God damn it! <laughs> Why can't you be as passionate about martial arts movies as I? <laughs> um, anyway, he is a he is one of the biggest stars in China right now, and uh, his name is uh, Wu Jing or Jing Wu. Um, and for some reason, he started calling himself Jackie Wu for a bit, probably because. Huh, Americans know Jackie Chan. Maybe I should be Jackie Wu. <laughs> I already forgot what this guy's name is that you just told me, but I remember Jackie Wu. I won't forget well, just, that. Well, I'll, let's just call him Don Lee. But in this movie, he's supposed to be the antagonist, but he has so little development. No. And it's all so last minute and so has, surface detail. He has like literally five seconds of being a villain. Other than that, like he's just kind of there or kind of helping. He he's there to be a boss fight in a movie that really doesn't need it. No, um, but he for some reason they felt the need to include this particular character. But um, part of what's really striking about the scene, and this is partly cultural, I think, is that um, we have the standoff where uh, one of the military people, one of the security personnel, holds a a gun up to some yuppie who's complaining about the the housing situation in the camp um and i guess the the yuppie has like his dad or like an old friend with him who is gray hair he has like dr wiley hair but he's wearing a surgical mask so he's a very old frail old man and uh 
uh, one of the security personnel like bashes him with a gun, like not quite pistol whips, but he hits, he strikes him forcibly. <laughs> um, you don't do that in Korea. Like you, you respect your elders big time. And so like the, the crowd, there's like an audible, like <gasps> when that happens. And uh, yeah, as soon as that gun comes out though, uh, Don Lee, Ma Dong Suk, he uh, comes out from the crowd. And like you said, he's apparently the operations manager and my guess is he was like active military probably stationed in bundong and he developed the disease so they took him off and put him on a bus mm-hmm. but but uh the people he worked with is like you know military brothers in arms or whatever probably still defer to him even though he's not in charge anymore mm-hmm. so he has clout in the camp basically and put a pin in that because he's gonna start some shit later at least try to um, but yeah, there's a really sad bit where like a mom is trying to console her child in the camp and stuff. And, um, we get a brief montage where the rest of Korea gets to see, um, the situation unfolding on the news. So like the equivalent of like Times Square, like electronic billboards and whatnot and cell phone news and stuff. Uh, so we see that it's like, we're not keeping the rest of the country in the dark. Um, but we have shut down Bundong completely. Um, and there's there's some chatter among the the Korean politicians that's like they're they're a little bit bitter that the U.S. was like so quick to help them shut down Bundong because they're like it's like it's very obvious that they're working in their own interest rather than that of Korea. But it's like that was almost like too efficient. Like they were way too quick to help us. Um, but yeah, uh, Ma uh, Ma Dong Sok. Uh, I don't even know his character's name in this movie, but like. He wears camo pants throughout the whole movie. What do you want to call him? <laughs> asshole. Asshole. So the asshole is talking to Kang in funny face. And uh, it's mentioned that uh, the the rest of the emergency team has the infection and are somewhere in the camp as well. And, and like you said, uh, they're working under the impression that uh, f- within 48 hours, everybody's going to be released from the camp who doesn't you know die of it. Um, seems like the asshole doesn't quite believe in that though he has some sort of side hustle going on we're not entirely sure what it is um but yeah uh, there's a rumor going around funny face is telling kang that uh everyone everyone that's infected gets taken to like a, a quarantine zone within the quarantine zone uh and they get shot and we'll later find that you know it's not too far from the truth <laughs> yeah um but yeah i I think don't they, don't they uh doesn't Dr. Kim and Kang don't they like meet up again in the camp like don't they have neighboring tents or something? Yeah, he tries to give her some noodles and she's like fuck off and then the girl goes to sleep and then they talk for like 10 minutes. Uh it's this like was a- this was the scene in the movie that's like uh like I said it's, it's like a requirement you need to have I mean absolute minimum. You need to have at least one sequence that tries to make people cry, but I mean you're shooting for 3. Like, like whoever's producing the movie, it's like, you, you got to give me more. Like, come on. <laughs> so this is like the one big cry moment. Well, I think there are two in this movie, but this is the first big one. And uh, basically, Dr. Kim confesses to Kang that, hey, you know, there's no cure. And very clearly, my daughter has whatever everyone else has. Um, so do the fucking math, meathead. <laughs> um, and uh, he does the thing where he, he is speechless. He doesn't have anything to say, which I think... Uh, in terms of like scripting this film, that's that's a wise choice. Just you yeah. know, let her let her work things out on her own, and uh, yeah, she breaks down. She starts crying and she collapses on the on the ground, 
and she like verbalizes that I wasn't a good mom and I'm sorry. And it's like like everything Kyle's been saying during this during this discussion, yeah, she's not a very good mom. No, <laughs> and not. she should be sorry. <laughs> um but yeah, Kang is completely speechless during her several minute long cry sequence. And uh we get an aerial shot of the city in the morning and uh we get some CGI birds getting shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that yeah, was so the, that was a. Go ahead. I was gonna say the overhead shot of the tents. Like you can see how far it goes. It looks like it's on like a highway that they've shut down, and it goes a long way. Like a the, the tents go a really really long way. But yeah, they just start shooting at the birds, and they're like, "Nobody worry, we're not shooting people. We're just shooting at the birds so that they don't carry the infection anywhere." Yeah. you need to hear like like muffled on the mic it's like do you think they bought it (laughs) oh oh, shit (laughs) click (laughs) Um, Um, we we see that funny face is working with the asshole now like he's shacked up with him basically um like you said all the all those civil servant people basically are doing some sort of work in the camp we don't exactly know what um this but then we finally like, get ramps up. Like this is big where we fucking start time. Jumping, like crazy. Like I don't even know. Like I'm trying to think of like what. Like the first, like it was a slow start. Then she has that little the little breakdown. Birds get shot, and now we're just like, it, there's like an hour left of the movie where we're just gonna be bouncing all over the place. Well, we, where where things really ramp up is we get to see the underground quarantine area, which. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I'm saying it's it's fucking Silent Hill down there, <laughs> like it complete with like chain fences and like weird tarp sheeting and like yellow lighting and stuff. It it looks like a fucking nightmare. Um, but yeah, we're in an underground quarantine area and we have a bunch of medical personnel like examining all the people housed down there and they find Monsai. Um, and unlike all the other people that are in the quarantine area, they notice his temperature is normal, so they piece it together. It's like, huh, he looks Filipino. Huh, his temperature's yeah. normal. Huh, we should probably this grab him. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, this is where my suspension of uh, my suspension of disbelief was kind of like going out the window. I'm like, one, they would never, never find this dude. Exactly. And there's more of like, no, you would never find that little girl buried alive in this mountain of dead bodies. Yeah, that's like calling, coming. calling back to Outbreak, you would never find that little monkey <laughs> in that town. Never. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they find the survivor. They're like, this is him. He's Filipino. It's him. Uh, and <laughs> so it's then, like just just any old Filipino will do. <laughs> like, and then they just like walk in. They're like, "Oh, she's over here." Hey, Doctor Kim, we need you to make this vaccine. And like, no, you don't. You absolutely don't need her. Uh, you guys already have all the doctors you need. They would never go back and find her. Uh, she's no. she is quarantined. They're not doing that. But she gets back to this lab in a heartbeat. This is where like the timeline starts to jump to. Because I'm like, wait, how long is this taking? Because it took her three minutes to get to this place uh wherever yeah. the lab is yeah the timeline in this movie is kind of goofy because by the time the city is shut down it's supposed to be like three hours after the shipping container was found or something mm-hmm. that's nuts <laughs> it's, yeah it's like damn efficient koreans <laughs> if only we could do that here <laughs> there's but a joke I did, uh uh they're talking um it was on 30 rock michael sheen is a reoccurring character for a few episodes uh, he's actually, I don't like Michael Sheen, but he's very funny because he's a very not likable character on there. 
but he was Perfect. talking about, he was talking about he's like i don't want to move back to england he's like uh he was talking about like the winter olympics or something like that and he was talking about like china he's like when they tried to hold the hold the olympics there and everybody was really calm he's like there'd be rioting in england we don't have control over our people like that <laughs> we don't have control of our people like that um but yeah maybe they do maybe they can get this going like just in no time i mean i've, I've heard good things about the current situation over there but you know Ooh. we'll see anyway um i did like that uh when dr kim uh agrees to go back to the lab um Mira doesn't want her to leave, and Kang volunteers to take care of her. And uh, she, what she tells her daughter when she's trying to leave is, I'm trying to make you better, silly. <laughs> it's like, shut up. Go to sleep. Shut up, um, Yeah. But Kang gives uh, Dr. Kim a radio so so everybody can keep in touch um, regardless of where they are. Um, comes in handy a little later. Um. But yeah, Kang is uh, showing Mira some like animations on his phone, or on her phone rather. And it needs to be said this actually does come into play later in the movie because um, mm-hmm. when they were at the Dunkin' Donuts together, she was singing a song, um, and he was just you know letting her <laughs> in public. God damn it! <laughs> Control your child. <laughs> Nobody's gonna say anything. Like, could you? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize how cute she was. She can keep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I. Uh, the same song that she was singing is being played via like an animation on like YouTube or something on her phone, which she has like strapped to her kind of mm-hmm. like she has like, it's common it's to like have a like necklace. a cell phone. Yeah. yeah. It's common to have like a charm or something like that. But I've, this is the first time I've ever seen like, like a actual like strap or something that fixes the phone to your body. Um, makes sense though. She is a little girl. Little kids are yeah. prone to losing shit. So that's important. She's also looking not good. Uh, oh, her, yeah, her skin has her condition has worsened. <laughs> yeah, she does not look good, um, which explains why Doctor Kim is like hustling to get back in the lab. Um, so we get an interesting moment here, though, where uh, some military people or some doctors they show up looking for someone with the ID number of Mira two zero six six because they somehow caught word that that particular person is infected well the, um, the her swab her swab came back saying that she oh, was contaminated okay, okay. she was infected uh, so dr kim has her daughter like wrapped up like yoda on her back mm-hmm. um she's <laughs> and uh kang volunteers his he volunteers himself basically he on the sly grabs the 2066 ID badge and like hands it to these people and says, Oh yeah, that's me. So he goes to the quarantine area instead of her. Um, and yeah, uh, red coat makes another appearance, red jacket. He shows up in the quarantine area because earlier we saw that he, he saw Monsai and for some reason he has a hate boner for Monsai. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously he's the one who got him sick. So I guess I could understand that, but, um, he has, he has like a, hate boner to the nth degree because he is like willing to do whatever it takes to end this guy <laughs> oh yeah he fucking shivs him he fucking knives him yes yes like he Scarface. does this was reminding but, me of scarface well he's he's like the equivalent of like the terminator in this movie he just like shows up periodically to like put the fear of god in him <laughs> so like red red jacket here he doesn't quite get at monsai but he starts some shit in the quarantine area he starts mm-hmm. throwing elbows again 
And at one point, there's an army guy who he uh, he knocks to the ground and he actually knocks his mask off. And we get a zombie movie moment where um, when the guy's questioned about, it, he says, "Nope, my mask never came off. Mm-hmm. Totally didn't happen." He's the he's that guy in the zombie movie that you know gets bit and doesn't tell anybody. There's always one. There's always one. Um, but yeah, uh, we we get some more like just cuts here and there of the asshole up to no good nothing really important like i said i'm i'm glossing over it intentionally but the movie the movie does it for me like like he, his character is not fleshed out he feels like a rushed kind of forgotten element of this movie that really just didn't need to be there mm-hmm. um but yeah uh dr kim is back in the lab and her associate uh that she was working with earlier in the movie who doesn't, doesn't like her like for her. some reason yeah, yeah I, I don't know if it's like a, a a hot chick thing like maybe there's yeah. like a competition going on or something like between doctors yeah. <laughs> oh, based on still... physical appearance but if doctor shows have taught me anything there's always one asshole doctor always one asshole er uh what's the stupid one that takes place in seattle Grey's anatomy that one yeah that's uh, that's that's the bad one scrubs like, that's sh- there's Grey's Anatomy one. makes me laugh because those people need to zip it up. Like everybody beds everyone in that movie, <laughs> in that show. But there's it's ridiculous. Always, there's one that's like just socially awkward or just like just just always just an asshole doctor in one of those shows. So this is yeah, the, this is the asshole. Usually there's like an alcoholic doctor where like he gets some like redemption points for like, Oh, that explains, Oh, you had some like trauma or, or you were, or you went to like war or something and you saw some shit and that's why you're a dick because you drink too much and you hate your life or something. Dr. Cox, Dr. Cox and scrubs. He's borderline alcoholic, but he never, he never drinks before a shift. Uh, but yeah, he, he actually JD and, uh, JD and Turk have a beer when they're on call and they get called in. He's like, you guys smell like booze. And he makes them go home. That's a great show. I love scrubs. I had a friend in in uh, college who was really into it, but I, n- I never got into it. It's is that, prob- a, is that Zach Braff? Yeah, it's probably pretty dated now. I liked it when I was younger. If I try to go back now, it'd be a little too silly for me, probably. But I I really enjoyed it as as a teenager, like a uh, young adult. See, I I've never really touched the world of Zach Braff, but like yeah. everything I've heard about Garden State makes me think I would hate him. He's he's just silly he, he but the thing about scrubs is it, it's not a seinfeld where it's all all funny no drama they there's dramatic moments in the show like there's there's that's, feely moments that's why i'm not interested that's why but, i love seinfeld is that they never cross that barrier <laughs> but they but they have so many different characters like turk is silly jd is silly but you have grounded characters you have really asshole funny characters it, it it's a it's a good show no, I, I don't deny that. It's just Zach Braff, I don't know. I don't yeah, know about that fine. guy. <laughs> I, I don't know about that guy. <laughs> I know nothing about him. Therefore, I'll be suspicious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, we get an interesting moment here where there's some tension in the camp and the asshole almost escapes by like posing as a military person in a Humvee that's leaving the camp or something. And And then somebody notices he has some rash on his face mm-hmm. and just says get out and everybody like dips out of the humvee and leaves him in there by himself <laughs> but i couldn't I'm, i could be totally wrong and i'm sorry if this if this is grossly inaccurate but i feel like the driver in the vehicle with him looked like jv smooth <laughs> it's possible 
I, I feel like he looked like him. <laughs> but, I, didn't, I, I didn't catch but him. All, he only has one line. He just says, get out! <laughs> and everybody <laughs> dips out of the vehicle. Um, but yeah, Monsai is in the lab with Dr. Kim. And uh, he picks up a, like a scissors or a scalpel or something. He's like feral and ready to defend himself. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he doesn't speak Korean. Um, he does speak some English, but most of the characters that are talking at him throughout the whole movie, uh, they don't. he doesn't understand them. Um, so I, I don't blame him for being a little freaked out. Uh, but he sees Mira on the, on the table in the same room with them. And uh, Dr. Kim is trying to extract blood from him to isolate the antibodies in his system. And when he sees Mira, the little girl who fed him earlier and was very, very nice to him and is cute as a button, he offers up his, his artery, to, or his vein rather, to give up some blood willingly. Um, but then we get this bizarre sequence where uh, a whole bunch of guards storm the lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dr. Kim was doing this operation on the sly, so she excused her associate. Like she encouraged her, like, "Oh, you haven't slept in ages. You should, you should, you should take a break, so I can, I can do some stuff." <laughs> uh, so she was in there alone, and I guess uh, they don't want her to develop a cure. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, they they forcibly restrain everyone in there. Doctor Kim is hit with a tranquilizer yeah, dart that they just had at the ready. Yeah, <laughs> I called this scene scuffling dart. Uh, I'm like and dart. It took me a second. I'm like, what the fuck is in her neck? I'm like. Oh, they shot it with a tranquilizer gun. <laughs> they put her down. <laughs> that easy girl, easy. But yeah, we cut to, I guess, Kang's been in quarantine and they actually release him. And they just, by the way, he's released and then everybody knows that he's just, he, he can just wander through the quarantine area um, just it's, fine. It's not quite that. I think he's posing as a doctor because um, through the asshole funny face uses uses his side hustle um to get a security badge of some sort like a different id tag like a falsified one mm. um, and he hands it to him through the gate through, gotcha. through the fence in the quarantine area so i think kang at this point is posing as a doctor so nice. he's able to come and go as he pleases um and he finds mira's uh, headband in the quarantine zone um and then we get a pretty big moment in the movie where he runs into the back area and uh, this is revealed to us in stages and it's very effective I, I will say uh, so the first stage is he exits the quarantine area into the back um, which is a parking lot essentially and the floor is just completely lined with dead or dying people on tarps and just some lazy security folks walking around with clipboards just kind of mulling over the details of things just not really not paying any real mind to anyone in fact i'm pretty sure you see some people in wheelbarrows at some point mm-hmm. um and he has an exchange with one of these guys with a clipboard and uh, he's like hey this guy's not dead yet we should probably do something he's like he's gonna be dead soon anyway bye <laughs> it's like i have zero empathy um but then we get the grand reveal where kang heads out beyond the parking lot and i guess we're in a stadium uh, we're, we, apparently we're next door to a stadium uh, in the camp um, and the entire like play area of the stadium has been converted into a giant fire pit uh, full of bodies piled sky high um, wrapped up in whatever materials are on hand apparently because um, like all the colors are mixed and matched it looks like there's been liberal use of duct tape to seal these up and uh 
yeah it's a pretty grand visual um because just the sheer scale of it is like that's a lot of bodies and they're they're using like a, what what would you call this excavator tool or whatever it's like some sort of construction vehicle with a giant claw hand yeah some kind of giant claw yeah uh, it's it's some sort of construction vehicle that it's just picking up bodies a dozen at a time and dropping them into this giant fire pit um and it's meant to be this shocking grand reveal that's like oh my god this is atrocious um meanwhile the antibody has been isolated um and everyone is happy except for dr kim um because mira was taken to the infection area <laughs> so the one person that she was hoping to get this to uh isn't available to her fuck um and then kang he actually dives right into this fire pit of bodies and this is where you said some suspension of disbelief is required <laughs> done yeah absolutely not there's no way in hell he would find this little girl absolutely not um we cut back and forth between him craw crawling through the fire pit and dr kim retracing his steps basically receiving all the same information that he and us the viewer did about what's actually going on here in the camp um and then the way kang finds mira in here is that uh he hears the song that she was singing earlier and he was playing on her phone earlier uh, on a cell phone. So this is literally Jurassic Park 3 with the <laughs> from the mm -hmm. Spinosaurus's stomach. Yeah. It's literally that. Um, he hears the jingle from her cell phone and uh, he crawls through the mound of bodies and he finds a sealed bag, like a sealed body bag with her in it and he tears it open. Um, this is also Shades of Aliens, uh, rescuing newt from the alien queen's chamber mm -hmm. <laughs> um and yeah uh we get a very strange sequence that I, I feel like i feel like maybe a producer hit the panic button and was just like nah man we, we got to have one more cry sequence in this movie You're like you, you can't you can't leave me hanging you only got one in there this movie's two hours long you can do it i believe in you um so we get the soldier whose mask was knocked off earlier um, by by the red jacket um we we cut back to him and he's in the parking lot area with his with his buddy another guard and uh, he he confesses that you know my mask did come off i i have a rash on me i have whatever everyone else has um and the other soldier the one who didn't lose his mask looks over and he sees his mom in a wheelchair in the parking lot area so she's not in a good way right now she's in the place where people go to die or be taken out to the fire pit and he walks up to her and he's like mom what are you doing here you weren't you're why were you in town and she's like i was here for my friend's birthday and he the two of them are both just tearing up like they're both you know devastated and he takes his mask off and he like kneels down and hugs her and the whole time i'm like god damn it <laughs> stop making me feel things <laughs> i felt nothing. because you felt nothing what felt the fuck nothing. is wrong with you are you a fucking sociopath i know this was devastating to like you're, you're trying too hard stop it this is this is not working i thought this was very effective really just because yeah haven't you ever seen your meme on pain or whatever no. and you're like oh <laughs> well anyway I felt something because it's a Korean movie and they insist that you do every 45 minutes. You have to feel something. It's required. <laughs> Either that or someone has to get slapped. <laughs> and there's no slapping in this movie, so at the very least, you need to cry. Um, but yeah, we get this really big emotional moment here where 
uh, he's hugging his mom and willingly subjecting himself to infection and she's like they they try to wheel her out like these two soldiers and by the time they get to the surface other guards show up and they're like whoa that's not right <laughs> you can't do that um and as they're pushing her like through the camp uh, she's like calling out to her son like don't 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 i'm fine i'm fine don't worry i'll get treatment i'll be fine and it's like god ah, damn it that's like that's what every mom would do <laughs> and um then the one soldier the the one who was first infected uh, he spills all the beans like he's mm-hmm. he just barfs beans all over these people um about the the nature of the infection about how there's no cure and somebody get a somebody. Full sca- <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason so, why the someone uh, touched my ass. <laughs> I think the reason why it didn't work for me was because it was the, it was the change. It was the wrong tone. the The tone was just changing too much. It was like, look how disgusting this is. Uh, how the fuck did that happen? Now you have to cry. I'm like, it was too too much of an obstacle course for me. I'm like, okay, you're not. Uh, it's not the right tone. I got you. In a different in a different movie, in a different setting, if the tone was a little different and they kind of built to this a little bit more, if I actually cared or even knew who the fuck these characters were, yeah, it would be an emotional thing. I think that was the point, though, is to show that, yes, we have our sexy leading breeding pair, but then we also have these incidental folks who are just ordinary folks that don't have any story, don't have any character, but it's a disease it, it it touches everyone in its own way i was I think okay. it's just meant to touch on that i was okay with one of our trio dying mom oh, kid yeah. or guy if that would have if they would have done that i'm like okay that would have been good I, I understand that i i was actually kind of expecting mira to, to right buy it. i thought that was yeah. gonna happen they they faked us out but they didn't fake us out they broke they broke protocol uh she was they never would have found her well, this movie starts to show its true colors about this time where it turns into like a pretty conventional like 90s blockbuster th- like disaster movie mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, doing something like Contagion where it's like, no, we're going to try to do this. We're going to try to play it straight, I guess. But no, th- like they're they kind of put more rules in place for the way they they told this story like then maybe they needed to. But this is a movie with mass appeal in mind for sure. Like this isn't meant to be a challenging film. It's meant to be entertaining for the most part, mm-hmm. um, even though it's very violent at times. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, things things escalate to a full blown riot in the camp, um, largely because the soldier who was spilling the beans gets shot um, <laughs> yeah. in, fr- in front of everyone. That's not wise. Um, so we cross cut back and forth between the riot and uh, Kang trying to get Mira to her mom, and uh, Doctor Kim is on the radio. Yeah, um, and the rioters all like run through the camp and they do find the fire pit. Um, and then there's a funny bit where uh, Kang unwittingly becomes like a catalyst for escalating for escalating things. Yeah, <laughs> because all the rioters come out to the stadium and they see him moving around and being restrained by a whole bunch of security guards and stuff. And they're like, "Hey, he's still alive! They're putting <laughs> they're putting people who are still alive in the fire pit. That makes it even worse." <laughs> and he's like, "He's like, all I did was try to save a little girl." So just things keep intensifying here, and it's like a snowball effect. Um, but yeah, uh, Dr. Kim and, uh, Monsai, they're both like, 
escorted out to a van in the parking area and the rioters are just attacking people indiscriminately and they they try to jump the van um and it crashes through some shit and that it's pretty spectacular crash i will say it's like a it's like a ticket booth basically like you'd get you'd find at any parking garage but it's a pretty cool crash um but then red jacket shows up again again Again, uh, he is the goddamn T one T eight hundred. He's the T one thousand. He's Robert Patrick. He just fucking pops up. I'm like, how the fuck did he get here? Yeah, I mean, you'd need the soundtrack to go. <laughs> 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 yeah. Say, Ooh. that's a nice bike. I watch that now. <laughs> I've been watching Downton Abbey, and I need to cleanse the palate with something violent, like something real violent. Um, mm. Yeah, because it's too it's too much chitter chatter, just chitter chatter, talky talk. Actually, yeah, yeah, there's one American character, like actual American character in the show, and I had my British ears on, my my Irish and British ears, so I'm like trying to li- listen to everybody. And it wasn't until like the second episode and stuff's like, yeah, she's American. I'm like, wait, what? She's American? I didn't even notice because <laughs> it just blended in with everything else. I'm like, yeah, American accent, straight up, not even British. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like Harrison Ford's voice coming out of a very prim and proper young woman. <laughs> so hope it won't I think it's the way she talks. She had like her speech pattern. It just it's kind of strange. It's just a little off, so maybe that's what threw me off. It just didn't it didn't stick out as American when I was listening to it. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, Red Red Jacket he shows up and he finally gets his revenge on Wonsai. Mm-hmm. He's he shanks his guts open mm-hmm. like fearesomely, and uh, it's a wound. He gets shot for his troubles. Uh, so he's finally finally somebody shot him. Yeah, he he is shot. Um, also, uh, Doctor Kim's doctor frenemy <laughs> gets shot yeah uh, i didn't even see that but um when they get back in the van she's she's dead um, who cares she di- yeah who cares she's she's a non-character she's just a caddy doctor um but yeah monsai is dying and uh he's in the back of the van with dr kim and so it's like oh shit that was our one hope right and it's like oh maybe there's something else we'll see um but yeah the van escapes and it, it does escape the quarantine area um and we get an aerial shot of the riot, and it's pretty spectacular. Um, just the sheer number of extras and the, the CGI extras all look pretty good. Um, and then the asshole plays his hand. Um, so we see him, like, Kang is running around with Mira, and the asshole, uh, Don Lee, uh, he he and Funny Face both hijack, like, a military vehicle? Like a Hummer or something? Like a Humvee? Did they? Yeah, they like that. hijack a, a Humvee and then they take all the guards' uh, uniforms and equipment. So I don't know if they're still trying to pretend that they're military personnel and using that as a way to escape, or they're just trying to arm up for a fight. Um, but either way, they they get those materials, uh, and then we just get a brief scuffle where where Kang beats the shit out of him. <laughs> and I wasn't entirely sure what Don Lee's motivation was here. Like, what he he notices Mira. And maybe even if he understood that she survived the virus, why would he care? Like, what's to be done about that? He is the one getting it. So, like, he's, he's getting it. So he's like, she's the key. She's the answer to this. I'm just going to steal her. Uh, is this where they get in the in the tent? Like, he just has her on a table? This was really... That's, that's a little bit later. Okay. 
That's a little bit later, but this is where he first notices her. Yeah. And, and understands that she's important and has the potential for having a cure. I'm just curious, like, what does that mean to him? Like, there's no way he would know how to develop the cure. No, he was there's just no gonna, he was just gonna take her blood and put it in his. Like, I don't think he really had any plan. Pretty sure that doesn't work, buddy. No, <laughs> I'm not a scientist, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that works. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I was very confused as to what he was trying to accomplish here. But for his troubles, Kang does beat his ass here in the streets. And then he just runs off. Yeah. Um, so this is where we get introduced to Mr. Schneider. Um, and who did you say this looked like? Oh, I can't remember his fucking name. I keep forgetting. Uh, so, so Kyle, as he's looking this up, I, Kyle said this guy looks like a, an American character actor who, if you have seen a movie... You've more than likely seen him. Um, John Hawks is his name. John Hawks. He's from. So uh, he, he's in the Perfect Storm, American Gangster. He's in that Three Billboards. He's in a lot of fucking movies. Oh, uh, he was in Everest also. I oh, just, was he? I just remembered him in that. I That's a decent that. movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, I have not seen that. Uh, uh, it, he's Kenny Jake Powers' Jones brother Hall. on Eastbound and Down. Oh, he's I in, could totally see that. Oh, he's good. I fucking <laughs> love that show. Um, um, but yeah, Mr. Schneider is an American representative of some sort. He's in Contagion. Um, oh, he's in Contagion. That's he's funny. In contagion. Um, and he is present in the in the, like the the war room, basically. So the the government facility in the mountains, and we see him just floating around in here, and he he stands out because he's the only white guy in the room, and he has a evil mustache. So your eye, your eye fixates on him for sure, even though he hasn't really done anything yet. Um, but it is now morning, and rioters are marching down the highway. And uh, meanwhile, Dr. Kim is trying to attend to Monsai. Um, doesn't seem like he's going to live. He doesn't, by the way. And somehow these rioters have gotten a hold of Molotov cocktails. They just, yeah. like, during their march, they just made those. <laughs> And then this is where things get really weird is uh, the asshole, uh, Don Lee. Uh, he is standing up in this Humvee that's slowly rolling down the highway of, um, amid the crowd. And he's like on a on a PA yelling like, we need to march on Seoul. We need to infect Seoul. Otherwise, yeah. the government won't care enough to help us. He's like, we're leading. A, well, he's leading a a uh, slave revolt, basically, against the man. Uh, to go to Seoul, Korea, which I guess is walking distance. No, he he is posing as the Korean Lord Humongous right now. It's like, just walk away. <laughs> like, it's bizarre. Like it's, If you've ever heard of the, the video game Dead Rising, it mm-hmm. kind of made me think of that because like, all the boss fights in the Dead Rising games are humans, even though it's a movie. It's a game about you know a zombie outbreak. Like All the bosses are psychopaths. So just people who've lost their shit during all the chaos and have turned violent against their fellow man. And he's basically that. <laughs> um, so he's leading this march and, and telling people, we need to go infect Seoul. <laughs> Otherwise, the government won't care enough to help us. And it's like, okay, this is getting really far-fetched now. Um, but yeah, they get to this military checkpoint. Um, and there's a grand overhead shot of a CGI crowd. Uh, it doesn't, it's not the best one because it's in daytime. Uh, night like shadows and stuff help cover up effects work and stuff but it's still just the scale of it i appreciate quite a bit um monsai does in fact die um and the plan for dr kim at this point is that huh i escaped the quarantine zone 
but now I need to go back. <laughs> because Mira is still alive, and therefore she has developed antibodies, and it's she's the only person that she knows of in the camp that she can confirm that, that has both developed symptoms and survived them. So she's like, well, I guess I got you know another call back to aliens. I got to go back and save Newt. <laughs> um, so the minister at this point is advised by Mr. Schneider. So the minister is like a politician just below the president uh, to quell the riot pretty much no matter what. And at this point, the soldiers are advised to fire on the crowd. And they do. <laughs> um, a lot of people get shot here. Yes. Um, um, oh, but what, they start mowing them down when they're running away. <laughs> like, if you wanted them to move back, they're doing that now. Uh, so the way this all gets started, though, is uh, Don Lee sees Kang and Mira in the crowd, and uh, he he like holds up a pistol to shoot them. Um, and then Funny Face sees this happening and actually stops him. And instead, he he shoots a soldier who had. Like all the soldiers had their guns trained on this woman who who stepped up to the front of the crowd. Like she strips her clothes. She's trying to show them that she doesn't have a rash. So all, all eyes are fixated on her. Um, so the first shot appears to be fired by the rioters in the form of Don Lee shooting one of the soldiers. And then in in retaliation, the whole wall of soldiers just open fire on on the crowd. Um, and it's it's pretty grisly. A lot of people get shot. Um, and it. It turns into the end of the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> it just yeah. turns into you know cop fight, <laughs> um, and the president is pissed. Um, yeah, uh, Don Lee is in the crowd. He tries to use a human shield, and I noticed he got shot anyway. That's <laughs> like, oh, I mean, he is a big guy, so like he, he can't hide all that mass behind a skinny guy. It's like, no, that's a bad, that's a bad human shield. You got to find a fat guy, <laughs> but. Um, there's a really strange bit here where the minister is arguing with the president and he, he throws statistics at him, like approval ratings <laughs> as mm-hmm. justification. He's like, your approval ratings are in the tank. The people want us to shoot them. <laughs> and I was like, okay, wh- okay. whatever you got to say to help you sleep at night. Um, I wanted to throw out there like a little bit of Korean history in case you're not aware or if uh, other like anybody's listening. Uh, isn't aware um modern korean history is pretty turbulent man like it's like i mean korean war was like 1950 um their president was assassinated in like the late 70s or something by like the head of their cia and this is public knowledge (laughs) um and then there's there was this really grisly incident that if you if you google korea 1980 i guarantee you it's the number one result you get Mm. um I, I think it's called the Gwangju incident or revolt or something. Anyway, like several hundred people were killed. It was basically like a, it started as like a student protest and it was an actual incident where uh, Korean military fired on its own people and then they fired back. It was like a, a semi-organized militia over the course of several days gotten a gotten a shooting fight with with the korean military Mm. Uh, so this this was like you know the general populace uh, being at war with its own government for a few days and it was awful and it's in 1980 so this is something that like my friend's parents were alive for and and he you know only a few years before he was born um and i can't help but feel that like 
without knowing all the details of the incident or anything like that. I can't help but feel that like scenes like this probably are meant to be a little bit of a nod to that. Hmm. It's like you have a, a crowd of, of people that are being, I don't know, they're, they're revolting and they're having their own government kind of betray them. Okay. Um, and it's it's kind of like the people trying to stand up to, uh, for their for their rights or whatnot and being shot for it. <laughs> um, so like I feel like imagery like this is very intentional on the part of the filmmaker, where it's like, hey, you know, there's going to be a chunk of the population that knows what I'm trying to say right now. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because I think it's very important. Um, but yeah, uh, the the soldier uh, with his mom in the wheelchair, uh, he gets shot during the sequence. I didn't like this as much. Like it was like I didn't need to see them again. Like I really didn't need to see him die in the crowd or whatever. But yeah. we, no, it is what it is. But I saw him and then was taking notes. I just saw him like, okay, he's gonna die. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a given that he was not gonna live. Yeah. But I did. I just didn't need that moment. It's like, just it's like in a war movie or something. It's like I, you know, I didn't need more of him. <laughs> it's like it's like give, give me more of the sniper guy in the tower. Like it's like, um, but Schneider. Make, he just like very casually makes a phone call while the minister's arguing with the president and he initiates something called Operation Clean City I think was what I heard mm-hmm. um, by now like the fighting's all over um, but he has something going on on the side and uh, Kang ditches Mira again again during a riot <laughs> to save some people and we get this kind of cute shot of uh, Dr. Kim on the opposite end of the conflict like running by herself down an empty freeway i was like that's kind of a cool shot because like it's this woman in white just like running on an empty freeway it's not something you see in everyday life um but yeah the the minister basically assumes control of the situation so the, the president's kind of put out at this point and this is where we get the the stuff in the tent um do you remember this with uh the asshole and funny face and kang yeah, so they, uh, the operations officer and the buddy start fighting, and then he's like, what are you doing with that kid? I'm like, dude, if you see in any kind of situation like this, a grown man has a little girl crying her face off. Like, she's really, this is really good on her part, like, the little actress's part. Like, this was fucking, like, dude, shoot this guy in the head. Whatever he's doing is not okay. Uh, but they, they get into a little scuffle, and then... Uh, Kang and the operations uh, officer uh, get into the scuffle and he ends up like tackling him outside the, the um, tent and just <gasps> I'm like what the fuck happened why did they stop him oh he has been uh, stabbed with what are these called again I forget what they're called whatever I, I just want to call it a barricade of some sort yeah, but it's a specific kind it's whatever was on the beaches in Normandy whenever the D-Day I just, yeah, I just call it the, the D-Day barrier um, I mean that automatically. That's where my mind goes when I see that that X pattern mm-hmm. in metal. Like, basically, just so they good. couldn't they couldn't land the boats. Basically, it's like yeah, um, he gets impaled on that and he dies a horrible death. Good for yeah. him. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at this point, uh, we keep cutting back to the political situation. Yeah, um, this is this is the American in the room. Snyder kind of throwing his weight around a bit. Um, and Mira is stuck with the rioters. So again, this child has been abandoned by how many people, how many times? Oh, and wow. basically we're getting to the climax of the movie where she's stuck with all the rioters who have all like 
linked arms and are marching towards uh, an orange line in the highway that's been drawn up that basically is like the do not it's the ultimate do not cross like if anybody crosses that line yeah. they get shot yeah dickless i'm gonna call him dickless because uh, he's basically the same kind of character just like you're a piece of shit uh dickless is like if anybody uh tries to cross this line fucking shoot him yeah yeah it's again dark knight rises with the the bridge mm-hmm. and joseph gordon levitt it's like if you if you walk past that line we'll fire on you and uh and or blow up the bridge <laughs> um but yeah, uh, melodrama in the extreme starts to happen here, where basically Mira is being pushed by the tide of humanity, <laughs> like, and it, eventually she gets to the front of the crowd, and she's just like stuck walking with them because she's tiny and they're they're all linked arms, and she just has to go with the flow. Um, and she gets to the front of the line, and Doctor Kim gets there just in time to see her, and she runs out she just runs straight towards the orange line so does mira they do like a i'm we're gonna embrace kind of thing in slow motion and then the soldiers start firing because they're being pressured by everyone in the command center to either shoot or don't shoot they're not sure but you know decisions gotta be made in fact i think one of the commanding officers at the checkpoint has a gun to the guy holding like he does yeah yeah he has a pistol to the guy's head and he's like you better fucking shoot that cutest the cutest little girl in the world (laughs) um anyway the the guy under you know threat of having his head blown open uh he does open fire uh, because one or both of them cross the line uh he shoots wide though Uh, he does hit dr kim doesn't hit mira and then uh mira does like a please don't shoot my mom for a good solid couple of minutes so she's in She's in tears. She's standing in front of her mom trying to act as a human shield. And she's like, for the love of God, do not shoot my mom. Um, And they do not shoot her mom, which is good. Um, But there's like one more problem that needs to be addressed here. And that would be an airstrike that that Mr. Snyder had called in. Uh, We're going to clean that city with fire. (laughs) Um, so we get this this very interesting moment from a political standpoint where the president of Korea has a like face-to-face stare down with this Mr. Snyder guy, this representative of America. And we keep cutting back and forth to their faces just staring at staring daggers at each other and Mr. Snyder is the one to blink. And it's like traditionally like Korea Korea is pretty like pro-America. So this was actually kind of shocking to to like see see that like to see not only them bump heads but to like have them show an american in like a very negative light to that degree so that's kind of shocking but you got to have a bigger you have to have a somebody bigger than the president like somebody who's not a korean who's messing with everything like well who do you have do it well who's who would who would meddle in something like this america i understand (laughs) what they did i mean even if they do have a good relationship with us like it's fine I, I totally get it. You got to have a big, uh, it, you have to have somebody bigger for this. Well, and you know, at one point somebody advises the president that it's like all, all eyes are on Korea right now. In fact, I think it is Mr. Snyder who says that it's like all eyes are on Korea right now. And you know, past 20 years or whatever have been like super important for like just Korea finding its place in the, in the world, like putting its best f- foot forward. So 
wouldn't be surprised if like this was an attempt to like have a patriotic moment where it's like yes pro korea (laughs) um but yeah uh, the president of korea gets him to stand down by ordering surface to air missiles be pointed at the jets that are incoming and like i said mr schneider backs down and uh you want to go over how this this thing wraps up because i want to call this a mega happy ending oh i didn't even i didn't even notice it i was checked out at this point oh I was like, so, it, it was mega happy ending. That's literally what I, I was just like, okay. And everybody makes it okay. They're definitely going to start dating after this. Yeah. Um, basically, that is how things end. Yeah. Uh, so the, the president addresses the public and tells them, like, nobody's going to get shot anymore. Today <laughs> I, is I, our Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then that. <laughs> um, everybody's unreasonably happy. And uh, the color palette even yeah. returns to normal, like to how it was at the beginning of the movie, there where everything's is, bright, bright and shiny. There is one scene in particular that I wanted to bring up. It's where they're putting, he, she's putting Mira in like the back of uh, an ambulance or something. Like she's gonna go. I guess they're gonna make the, more vaccine uh, out of her or whatever they're gonna do to her. Uh, pro, com, pro gonna throw, com- we're gonna throw you in a meat grinder <laughs> and save Korea, <laughs> basically. Um, but. She has like it's the energy is completely different after this. Like there's no sense of urgency whatsoever. And I'm like, if you take this exact same scene and just put a different soundtrack over it, or like just just change the energy a little bit, it'd be fucking terrifying that she's her daughter's just gonna be like taken away from her. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it is crazy how the energy just completely shifts after this moment. Yeah, it, as soon as that announcement is made, even the crowd they, they do react as if it's this the the whitmore oh, speech from yeah. independence day it's oh i feel i feel Feels completely so fine better yeah it's it's not like i still have this horrible infection yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> and and that i won't be allowed to go home for x number of days months years yeah for a while um, but, but yeah everything's apparently fine um and mira who is told to like go off in this ambulance with with whoever needs to attend to her uh dr kim can't go with her presumably because uh potential for infection maybe um but i yeah i mira tells her mom like hey you and dr kang should come see me together at the hospital and so it's like wink wink nudge nudge um and kang with that smooth hand on the shoulder he does he just like goes for it Mm -hmm. like he rolls them dice he's just like i'm just gonna try this and like see how she reacts and she does notice it. She's like, "Hey, oh, it's just just your hand. Never mind. <laughs> no, Proceed." It his, no, it was his dick. He, <laughs> this is the time he thought it would be a, a good time to do that. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> it's like, hmm, just survived a really tense situation. I think I'll put my dick on her, her shoulder. shoulder. It seems like a good time. She's a Guess good sport. <laughs> yeah, she's a good sport. Yeah, sport. she she totally wasn't like really uptight and weird when we first met. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, the movie ends with just voiceover in the form of news, uh, like audio from a news broadcast telling us a vaccine is being developed uh, thanks to this little girl. The end. Mega happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mega happy ending. Um, again, without having seen it, I guarantee you Contagion does not end like this. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, like I said, um, this is where in the third act of this movie is where it shows its true colors uh, as a like popcorn entertainment film 
because uh, the way this wraps up so tidily is it's kind of insulting to be honest yeah like, I mean, this, this shouldn't happen it yeah cons- it's fairly long and it, you know there are parts of it that are very intense and violent that you know if you're going to follow that if you're going to go down that path you you may as well commit to it yeah and like and like you know let let the awful thing be awful but it's like no you know you gotta make the people go home feeling okay about things like feel okay that it's like yeah you know korean government's pretty solid yeah they'll, they'll take care of us it's like they totally won't put us in concentration camps and you're like <laughs> firebomb us <laughs> uh i was gonna say like i'm totally fine with uh going home bummed out uh i'm like fuck i can't believe that happened so well, you look for those movies uh, like this like yeah. those are your favorites like yeah. Kyle, Kyle has a thing for Kyle has a boner for horror movies with really like really sad endings, really dark endings. I like dark endings, yeah. Well, I, I I'm a firm believer that it's like your your ending should should match your movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you if you lay the breadcrumbs down for a certain resolution, just just follow the path. Yeah. <laughs> like like I don't need a swerve at the end of a movie to to make I don't need it to be super clever, but I just need it to be what it is. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is a case of a movie kind of... I don't think it cheats you by the end, but it definitely, like, takes the easy road. It does, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so this month we're going to be doing isolation movies. This is isolation in a city. Yeah. Um, but are we going to be scaling that down a bit, you think, as we move along through April? Why? What do you have in mind? I don't know, like, like maybe a shopping mall or, a, or well, a we're, house. Def- we're definitely going to end up in a mall for sure or or yeah like a single room or a yeah. house or you know smaller than an entire city i already have my other pick so the other two are up to you okay well i've got i updated our our potential episode list i haven't done that in like a couple months <laughs> um so i added some on there so if you still if you still have that link like if you still have that bookmark check it out um and Maybe see if any of those appeal to you. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, this was Flu, uh, directed by Kim Sung Soo. Uh, and yeah, I guess the rest of the month of April is going to be us exploring the world of isolation on film. <laughs> stay uh, inside. Yeah, stay the fuck inside month. <laughs> that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time.